0: Oh,
1: The time is undefeated. It's going to hit Tom Brady eventually, too. It might be this year. Hopefully it's this year.
2: And Matt LaFleur went to both of them and said, hey, remember that play you drew up on notebook paper on Thursday? Yeah, run it now. Like, that's the thing that's kind of tripping
1: me up here. We've been clowning Kyrie Irving and his behavior for the past five years. I feel like I just got a
3: point like on a show or something.
1: <laughs> <know> <laughs> Three, two, one. Kurzweil, you've got state champions coming back home. The East Versailles Eagles have just won Class 4A state championship. On the line with NASCAR superstar Bubba Wallace. Bubba, what type of music are you listening to right now? Do you listen to anything particular to get you hyped before a race? Oh, I'm in like the heavy metal stuff, like the screamo stuff, stuff you can't understand. <laughs> that, that's right up my alley.
4: Tie game at 41. Murray takes the snap. Fade, right corner of the end over Timmons. He bobbled oh it God. and then honed it in the right
1: corner of the end zone. Terrell Timmons, Jr. TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com, your home for triad sports. Hey, Panther fans, right now on the SiriusXM app, here are the most in-depth Carolina Panthers coverage anywhere with Believe in Carolina Panthers, part of the Believe podcast network on SiriusXM. Here from me, Desmond Johnson, and my co-host, Skylar Callahan from Sports Illustrated, and Panther great Jonathan Stewart, as we break down the Panthers before and after every game through the NFL season. Your team, your podcast. Search B-L-E-A-V in Carolina Panthers on the SiriusXM app, Pandora, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Do you believe?
5: Find your next car at Auto Store of North Carolina in Walkertown. Their goal is to make car shopping and car buying experience fast, friendly, and easy. They have helped hundreds of customers get behind the wheel of a newer, reliable, quality used car, and they can help you too. Stop by and speak with one of their sales professionals today, and drive away with your new car. The Auto Store of North Carolina, 4964 Leedsville Road in Walkertown. Give them a call at 336-595-8550 and view the current inventory of vehicles at. AutoStore of NC.com
1: Mossy's Eats, Ales, and Spirits in Clemens is a unique family friendly sports restaurant with an awesome bar and fresh menu that keeps guests coming back for more. Try the pizzas, buffalo bites, and wings, sandwiches, burgers that make your mouth water, made in house, plus 23 taps and a variety of craft beers. Have a cocktail and relax at Mossy's. Plus, with 33 HD TVs and all the sports packages around, you can watch pretty much any game you can imagine at Mossy's, plus a year round outdoor patio, fun action atmosphere, great food. What more can you ask for? Mossy's Eats, Ale, and Spirits, 6235 Town Center Drive in Clemens. Visit our website at mossysclemens.com.
5: Hi, I'm Sabrina Kuhn-Godfrey. Hi, I'm Deanna Kaplan.
1: Hi, I am Richard Watts. The common sense choice for Winston-Salem Forsyth County School Board.
5: It would be our honor to serve you. Make your voice heard by voting for Deanna, Richard, Sabrina, Deanna and Deanna common
1: sense. We need your support. Early voting starts October 20th. Paid for by Sabrina Kuhn-Godfrey for BOE, Deanna Kaplan for School Board, Richard Watts at Large School Board.
4: like to have everybody's attention for a moment there's a stat i don't like bringing up stats but there's one stat about the panthers he's the james
1: harden better scorer than michael Jordan. no he's a more creative in that he's traveling good. is not creative he Brandon. Doesn't, he doesn't. you know no matter what the score is and they've said it themselves whether they're up 10 down 10 down 20
6: whatever they know they can turn it on whatever why did you have to bring up the cowboys in this <laughs> I lived in texas for two years and just could not stand to watch cowboys football <laughs>
0: I, I, I nothing, nothing. Welcome to the Rundown. Here's Desmond Johnson.
1: And welcome into a brand-new Saturday morning edition of the Rundown. I'm your host, Desmond Johnson. Uh, lots to get to today, the opening weekend of the NFL season, week two of the, NFL, uh, the uh, college football season, high school football last night. I'll give you a scoreboard for that as well. Uh, but coming up next... Had a chance to catch up to Carolina Panthers radio network to Jim Zoki and preview Panthers versus Browns Sunday, one o'clock on CBS.
0: Back to the rundown with Desmond Johnson.
1: Welcome back into the rundown here on WWBG, 1470 a.m. here in the stride. Online, TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com. Of course, you can catch us every Saturday morning live, 10 a.m. to 12 noon, getting you ready for your college football kickoffs this fall. Uh, and you can also watch it on Facebook, Watch, LinkedIn, Twitter, at Tobacco Radio and YouTube, at the Tobacco Road Sports Radio YouTube channel. I want to thank everyone that's been joining us as we get back into our fall swing of things here. NFL season upon us here. The Carolina Panthers taking on the Cleveland Browns 1 p.m. kickoff on CBS this Sunday. Joining me right now from the Carolina Panthers radio network, Jim Zoki, His 28th season as Panthers radio network uh, personality. And Jim, I'm not mistaken, you've been there for every single season of the Panthers' existence.
7: Is that not correct? Yeah, Desmond, you make me feel really old, but true. Uh, yes, <laughs> vintage. Every, every game, twenty-eight years. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: sports director over at WBT Radio in Charlotte, still doing uh morning stuff with WF and Z. Jim Zoki, if you're a Carolina Panther fan, uh, the name is well known throughout the Carolinas. Let's just dig in here. I've been so excited uh, this season, and it caught me off guard that I was actually excited for this season because the past two seasons, I've kind of gone into them with like a sense of I don't want to say like darkness, but like just not knowing what to expect from the team. After you you basically clear the roster out, you bring in new guys. Uh, The whole narrative had been that, you know, Matt Rule, wherever he goes, year three is the year of the turnaround typically, and we're in year three. So this team feels different than Coach Rule's first two years. Uh, Jim, what's the biggest difference you've seen this preseason?
7: I think, you know, kind of across the board, if you will, Desmond, they kind of had a long checklist of areas to improve. And I think you could almost go by position group and see improvement uh, basically everywhere, at least depth, if not front line. I mean, if you start at quarterback, I think Baker's an improvement over Sam Darnold. A healthy Christian McCaffrey is a huge upgrade over an unhealthy Christian McCaffrey. Uh, They've added depth behind the front receiver group of DJ Moore, and Robbie Anderson with the emergence of Shai Smith and hopefully a healthy Trey Marshall, Richard Higgins. Uh, the offensive line clearly with uh, Ikea Kwanu may take a little bit of time. It may not be day one, uh, but you got your left tackle there. And you add guys like Austin Corbett, Bradley Bozeman there. And then on defense, uh, again, you address the defensive line. You brought in a couple veteran linebackers. And uh, Xavier Woods into the secondary to go with the, uh, probably the strongest position group uh, on the team back there, and then special teams with Johnny Hecker. So I think, you know, that and the uh, the veteran additions on the coaching staff, bringing in, you know, Ben McAdoo, Steve Wilkes coming back, uh, James Campen with the offensive line, that kind of in every category, you know, they're improved. Therefore, that should translate into more wins on the football field, you would think.
1: I, I would think so, and I'm glad you touched on that. that uh, a lot of the offseason acquisitions that general manager Scott Fitter went after have kind of gone under the radar that I felt were like excellent pickups for what the Panthers needed uh, to fill in holes. Um, and, and the team itself, it, they seem closer uh, this year. There seems to be uh, kind of a – it wasn't there year one, especially – I mean, COVID, the, the guys could hardly be in the same room with each other. Coach Rule didn't really meet the team until July of that year. And then last year is really the first year where we started reacclimating ourselves back to normal uh, routines. This year's the first year, really, of Coach Rule's tenure in Carolina that's had a regular offseason, a regular draft, a regular training camp. And now we're going into uh, week one with capacity crowds and everything else. So it feels like the first normal year that he's had. Um, Thoughts on Christian McCaffrey. You touched on him a bit, Jim. What have you seen from him that makes you optimistic on the season?
7: Well, first of all, just that uh, we talked about is you know there's no lingering issues with injuries over the past two years. So he doesn't come into this season with anything that uh, where he's going to be uh, on a pitch count or anything like that. So I think that's huge with him. And you know, he he's talked about it during this offseason, learning how to take care of his body and visiting with people like Marshall Falk, who played a long time in this league and trying to get that uh, uh, knowledge from a guy that played a long time in the NFL and how to maintain your body and, to, you know, be in the treatment room a lot, you know, not wait for injuries to happen and so forth. I think that's one thing with all the young players, like even Shai Smith and Terrace Marshall, that, you know, the coaching staff and training staff is trying to get across them. Don't wait till you're injured to get in the training room. Keep keep up with your body, keep, you know, stretching, whatever going on. Uh, obviously, it's not more detailed than that. But, uh, uh, you know, those kind of things matter as far as, you know, being able to through the grind of a 17-game schedule. So we know Christian McCaffrey is one of the top two or three running backs in the league because of his all-around abilities. Uh, but they don't help you when when he's not on the field, and when he's not out there, there's a huge drop off. I mean, uh, to Chuba Hubbard or in this case Deontay Foreman coming in this year, it's it's a big drop off. So it's very important that you know he be on the on the field as much as possible this year, and that's what makes the Panthers better, in my view, is when you got that's your superstar guy, that's your best player by far. You can talk about Baker Mayfield and all this and that. You know, McCaffrey. If you're gonna line up all the guys on the 53-man roster, he's the most important, most talented guy, and your best chance to win.
1: You know, you said top two or three running back in the league. I'd go a step further and say he's a top two or three overall player in the league when he's on the field. Uh, he really the last full healthy year that CMC had was that year where he rushed for a thousand yards and, and caught for a thousand yards in the air. And Marshall Falk was the last to do that in the NFL. And I would I would say Marshall Falk is the closest thing I can think of to really compare to McCaffrey's skill set. So I'm really happy that he reached out to him. Uh, I noticed he didn't show up in training camp this year with the tree trunk thighs and the just rock, <laughs> like just chiseled type of uh, body. Look like he dealt more with like flexibility and things of that sort this year. So a healthy Christian McCaffrey changes the outlook of the Panthers completely. I, I, I completely understand the national media is kind of brushing off the Panthers. Oh, you know, five win team past two years, yada, yada, yada. But that kind of. Uh, skips over the fact that they haven't had their best player, but for 10 games uh, over the past two years. So if he's there, I think it's a huge difference. Uh, Jim Zoki joining us here from the Carolina Panthers radio network Join, uh follow him on Twitter at Jim Zoki Baker Mayfield, Jim, uh, the biggest story this offseason for these Carolina Panthers. How impressed have you been with him? Not just picking up this playbook, which technically is his fourth brand new playbook in the past four seasons for him or, or the past five seasons for him. But leadership wise as well, because coming out of Cleveland, one of the narratives was that Baker was not being an adult and being childish and things of this sort. I haven't really seen anything of that of that stitch to to, to Baker since he's been here in Carolina. What have you seen working from the uh, the Panthers radio network in terms of uh, Baker Mayfield?
7: Yeah. And, I, you know, as far as the four years in Cleveland outside of Odell Beckham Jr. and Odell Beckham Sr., I don't think he was like a locker room issue. I think his teammates liked him. Up there, But then the narrative becomes bigger when someone that high profile leaves the team, obviously had success down the stretch run with the Rams and going to the Super Bowl last year. So why that chemistry didn't exist in Cleveland, I don't know. But beyond that, I'm from that area. So I kind of follow the Browns more closely than a lot of folks do down this way. I mean, he led them two years ago to 11 and five in a playoff win over Pittsburgh. People loved him. And if you remember this time last year, I mean, they were a trendy Super Bowl pick heading into last season with Baker Mayfield at quarterback. So, you know, that, you know, he got injured early on with the non-throwing shoulder uh, injury that he had and had to deal with that and the rehab that came with that this off season, It had to have affected him for the, the a lot of the, what they did last year. Um, but um, I think what he brings here is, you know, Sam, first of all, hasn't had great success in this league. Second of all, he's not a big personality. So that, that position kind of, you don't have to be the most outspoken guy, but it, I think it helps uh, that you've got a guy that's got, Uh, kind of some some juice to him and uh, a little chip on his shoulder and an edge I mean you need a guy that says come follow me I think Baker kind of gives off that vibe more and from what his teammates are all saying about him including Robbie Anderson of course the famous tweet a few months ago like no about him coming here you know he was standing (laughs) up there on Monday saying I like the juice I like the swag all that stuff so he's on board and I think his teammates are here too and he's uh I think he's a good fit because he comes in with something to prove. This whole team has something to prove. I think it's a, it's a make-or-break year, possibly, for a lot of folks in this organization. So I it's I think he's coming in with, you know, in a contract year, essentially, with a chance to show that he's still that guy that plays well every other year. And now it's every other year. I think he can step up, he's healthy, and, and be able to lead this team.
1: Yeah, I mentioned it on the, the Believe in Carolina Panthers podcast uh, a week or so ago with Jonathan Stewart and Skylar Callahan that I actually asked Stu, Um, Baker Mayfield kind of reminds me of Jake DeLome a little bit in terms of like the, the, the spiciness, the fieriness, like he's, he seems like he's prone to get hot and complete 12 completions in a row, but he's also prone to try to stick a ball in a window. That's not there. Just like trying to, you know, push the envelope a bit. And that's a little bit of what I loved about Jake DeLome was the, the, the fearlessness of what he had on the field, like neither Baker or, uh, or DeLome, if you saw him on a practice field, they're not going to wow you with their their physical ability or anything. Like a like you could see Cam Newton across the field and like go, wow, like who is that? But you don't really get that with Baker or with Jake DeLome. But when it's game time, they're like the guys that the other 11 guys want to run through a wall for because of the way they lead and the way they kind of rally the troops. And I felt like we were missing that uh, the past two years with Teddy Bridgewater and then Sam Darnold. Their personalities just – they weren't really – that so i feel like the spark of having baker here here plus adding in a healthy cmc and revamping the o-line makes me very optimistic about this panthers team uh multiple position groups were revamped this offseason jim which group would you feel the best about the secondary or the offensive
7: line i think as far as uh, completeness and, and ready to win today the, the secondary is the star of this team as a position group. I mean, it's really heading in, uh, not a weakness in it, because when you add Xavier Woods as a safety, you now pair him with Jeremy Chin, and you got two guys that were over 100 tackles last year with two different teams. J.C. Hornley, like Christian McCaffrey, got injured in that third game against Houston. You know, J.C. Hornfield, a little bit that we saw, I mean, looked like he's got, we can't call him a shutdown corner, but the makings of a shutdown press corner with that 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 he brings, and uh, with C.J. Henderson in there, the ability to move J.C. inside into the slot and uh, be a tackler in the box defensively against the run game, then Dante Jackson, of course, I think is uh, underrated. I think he really emerged as a tackling corner last year to go with his uh, coverage skills that he's always seemed to have here. So, I mean, that's five right there uh, that mm-hmm. are really good, and I think I like I like the depth behind it. I like Keith Taylor, I like Miles Hartsfield, Sean Chandler, Sam Franklin. So, position group-wise, I mean, that's, uh, that's, to me, one of the few positions where I feel like not only talented, but it's got some depth to it as well, which I look at some other position groups to go okay we're good as long as everyone stays healthy for four months which isn't going (laughs) to (laughs) happen you hope you you, you get lucky but you don't control that so i mean you see something like you know mackarraga has put stepped on all of a sudden the season's over so stuff can happen in the blink of an eye but i think that secondary group is talented and it's got some depth that it could navigate some some injuries during the course of the season yeah one of the pickups
1: that scott federer did this offseason i think has gone super under the radar was uh picking up xavier woods the safety uh, to kind of pair him with Jeremy Chin because now you can kind of run that. It's kind of a nickel package that uh, that Phil Snow runs where you've basically got a two-linebacker uh, set out there, and then you've got, you know, three cornerbacks and, and two safeties typically out there. One of them is running slot. And if you've got a C.J. Henderson, you've got a Dante Jackson, you've got a J.C. Horn, who's basically like receiving a, a, a second first-round pick this year, uh, put them back there with Woods and with Chin. Now you're cooking with grease because this this secondary uh, was rated pretty high past defense-wise last year, and now you've added these additions to it. I, th- I think the secondary might be the strongest position group in the entire team, um, and, and I think it'll be one of their strengths, which is good in a pass-happy league to have your secondary be uh, one of the strengths of your entire uh, ball club. Panthers versus Browns, 1 p.m. kickoff on CBS this Sunday. Uh, Jim Zoki here with us from the Carolina Panthers Radio Network. Jim, give me your two biggest keys to a Panthers victory versus the Browns this Sunday.
7: Well, it looks like, and the weather people are often wrong, but uh, it's already starting here as we head into the early part of the weekend here on Saturday. It looks like it's going to be a rainy weekend. And what does Cleveland do? They they, they smash you with the the running backs. And they've got a huge offensive line in the veteran group. So, you know, you could talk about Jacoby Brissett all day long. But, you know, again, the stars of their team are, are Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. So that behind their offensive line, which is their best position group, is the running backs in the offensive line, you know, on a soggy day, that was an area the Panthers' defense struggled with last year. simple runs up the middle and so forth. So can they get stout in there with Derek Brown and uh, Matt Ioannidis, some of these guys? That is key one to me. If if Cleveland can control the clock and and get off on long drives, uh, run based uh, on a soggy day, you know, it's going to make Jacoby Brissett's job a whole lot easier back there. For making his first start as a cleveland brown so i think that's probably the number one thing I, I would begin with with that and then the pick from the panthers side going against cleveland's defense obviously is you've got two edge rushers you know miles garrett will be in canton one day the way he's going Jadavian clowney he's got all that potential in the world when he stays healthy to recap on on the other side so you got those two crashing edge rushers there so on alert obviously for ikea kwanu making his first start in the NFL, we know Taylor Moten is solid on the other side, but you know the offensive line trying to contain uh, what could be a lot of disruptions. What we talk about Baker and the chip on his shoulder. I don't think there's animosity with these Browns players against him, but you know they want to show him competitive wise what they can do out there. So uh, I, I think they they definitely want to touch Baker, get him down to the ground, and 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 get him off his mark and, and sack him as many times as they can. So that to me will be the other one that factors in huge.
1: Tune in this Sunday, Carolina Panthers Radio Network, 28th season as a Panthers Radio Network contributor, Jim Zoki, friend of the program and the station here with this uh, Panthers versus Browns as they kick off the 2022 NFL season. Jim, my friend, always a pleasure having you on and we'll definitely bring you back in uh, later on this season, hopefully to talk some good things uh, about the Carolina Panthers as they, uh, they embark on Matt Rule's third season as head coach.
7: Sounds good. Thank you, Desmond
1: coming up more from the rundown here on tobacco Road radio.com and WWBG 1470 AM.
0: You're listening to The Rundown with Desmond Johnson.
5: Hey, y'all, Tiny's Mobile Auto. Is your car broke down? Are you stuck somewhere? Do you need a mechanic?
2: You don't want to call a tow truck? Call Tiny's Mobile Auto. He'll come out to you, do your work, whatever you need done, your regular maintenance, or if you broke down on the side of the road, give him a call.
7: All you have to do is pick up the phone and call 336-423-6241. You don't even have to see me. Just let me know what's wrong with your car, and I will come and fix it, y'all. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. TikTok. I'm on the Twitters. Whatever you guys need three three six four two three six two four one as always i'll be seeing you
1: you deserve to get good service and great rates at state farm we get it and we're here to help because with every state farm policy you get good neighbor service and you get surprisingly great rates so what are you waiting for get going and talk to a local state farm agent about your surprisingly great rates today like a good neighbor state farm is there Individual premiums will vary by customer, all applicants, subject to state farm underwriting requirements. When you want the real deal, call state farm agent Susanna Nunn in Kernersville today.
5: Beamer Tire and Auto Repair. Now with three locations across the triad in High Point, Greensboro, and our new location in Kernersville, Beamer Tire and Auto offers full-service auto repair all tire brands, free alignment checks, oil changes, and more. In Kernersville, check out the no appointment needed quick lube shop. Check out their thousands of five-star ratings via Google and Yelp. They care because they know that you can go anywhere. So try a shop with a beating heart, not a bottom line. Beamer Tire and Auto Repair. Visit us on Facebook or at BeamerTire.com. Looking to tailgate this summer? Stop by One Stop on the way. One Stop number six, located just one mile west of East Versailles at 2748 West Mountain Street in Kernersville. One Stop serves fresh fried chicken and our famous caters seven days a week from 6 a.m. to 10 p.m. Feeding a crowd? Get 16 pieces of chicken and sides for just $27.99. Craving wings? Come try our new spicy breaded wings. Get a five-wing meal with six taters and a roll for just $7.39. Now in regular hot ranch or spicy. One stop number 6, 2748 West Mountain Street in Kernersville. Find your next car at Auto Store of North Carolina in Walkertown. Their goal is to make car shopping and car buying experience fast, friendly, and easy. They have helped hundreds of customers get behind the wheel of a newer, reliable, quality-used car and they could help you, too. Stop by and speak with one of their sales professionals today and drive away with your new car. The Auto Store of North Carolina, 4964 Reedsville Road in Walkertown. Give them a call at 336-595-8550 and view the current inventory of vehicles at autostoreofnc.com. Hi, I'm Sabrina Kuhn-Godfrey. Hi, I'm Deanna Kaplan.
7: Hi, I am Richard Watts. The common
1: sense choice for Winston-Salem Forsyth County School Board.
5: It would be our honor to serve you. Make your voice heard by voting for Deanna, Richard, Sabrina, and common Deanna- sense.
3: We need your support. Early voting
1: starts October 20th. Paid for by Sabrina Kuhn-Godfrey for VOE, Deanna Kaplan for School Board, Richard Watts at Large School Board. York Home Inspections provides a vast array of home inspection services right here in the heart of the triad. Exterior, insulation, ventilation, structural, appliances, roofing, radon testing, pest inspections, electrical, plus HVAC, new construction inspections, annual maintenance, and more. Owner John Taylor York has been in business since 2012 and treats each inspection as if it's his own home. Schedule an appointment online with John at YorkHomeInspection94.com or call 336-442-8315. York Home Inspections quality home inspections.
0: Back to the rundown with Desmond Johnson.
1: Welcome back to The Rundown with Desmond Johnson. I'm your host, Desmond Johnson, joined by Tap Out and Touchdown's Ryan Frick and Michael Davis from Out of Pocket, uh, two members of uh, the Tobacco Road team. Go to talk a little wrestling. We don't get a chance to really do it a whole lot. We're being serenaded by the theme song of the tribal chief, Roman Reigns, who has been uh, champion now for, what, 700-plus days now, I believe he's got two it. Two years. On. Yeah, going on two years. Good Lord. Uh, We're going to talk about that a little bit, some opponents we think that would be good for Roman, as uh, obviously they're trying to get this to Roman versus Rock at WrestleMania next April. Uh, We'll talk a little about that. But leading off this segment, before we send you all on your way for noon college kickoffs uh, here in just a bit, uh, guys, I don't even watch AEW, and I had to make a segment just to address what happened uh, Sunday Uh, after the all in uh, AEW pay w pay-per-view event so for those that don't know let me just kind of give the backstory here and then i'll let uh michael and and ryan chime in on their thoughts on this uh i thought this was a i thought this uh uh you know i thought they were putting this together for a storyline at at first but now i'm starting to you know see it doesn't look like that's the case at all and this was actually some dirty laundry that kind of spilled over um it all kind of started with the the all-out press conference uh cm punk uh is now a two-time well was a two-time uh aw world champion defeating john moxley in the main event of all out uh what happened in the uh the media session afterwards is what everyone's talking about here uh cm punk came to the post-match press conference and basically just destroyed the locker room of aw went to a bunch of different wrestlers mainly hangman page uh the company's executive vice presidents who are kenny omega and the young bucks uh collectively known as the elite uh, Colt Cabana, who, who he was friends with at one time, uh, is not any longer. The focus of the press conference uh, honestly probably should have been on MJF's return, which happened at the end of that pay-per-view. But now that's become like this side note with everything else going on. After Punk kind of said everything he was going to say in that press room, uh, with Tony Khan sitting right beside him, uh, he apparently exchanged exchanged words in a locker room with Omega and the Bucks, which led to a physical altercation. Uh there have been suspensions that have been thrown out because of this. If you watched Dynamite uh, earlier this week, you probably noticed that CM Punk's image is no longer in the open. Uh, I think the Young Bucks have been removed from it as well. Uh, Kenny Omega, Matt Nick Jackson, Pat Buck, Christopher Daniels, Michael Nakazawa, and Brandon Cutler have all been suspended. They are running an angle apparently where uh, CM Punk has a legit injury and will be gone for some time. Let me turn it over to my guys here. To get their analysis uh of course ryan frick the host of tap outs and touchdowns you can hear it multiple times during the weekday on spacker road Sports radio.com uh michael davis with out of pocket uh he touches on wrestling there but you also have a separate wrestling podcast as well uh so i wanted to make sure that he was involved in this roundtable with this because i got i don't know what's gonna i don't know exactly what to to believe here maybe let's just start off with that uh ryan what are your thoughts here of what has happened and what's going to happen going forward, because it sounds like it's divided into two different sides here backstage at AEW, the CM Punk uh, people and the elite people, uh, the people that call you know, the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega. What, what are your thoughts on what happened on Sunday and uh, is it good for AEW?
8: Well, to touch on it first, we talked about MJF's return. Um, I, I said it from the day that, that MJF left that it was – one of the greatest works of, of all of professional wrestling history. I, I knew that he was going to come back at some point. Um, it just, it's a shame, that, like you mentioned, it was overshadowed uh, by this altercation. Listen, um, CM Punk has left companies in the past uh, due to what, what was considered backstage politics, right? He left WWE because he felt like he was never going to get the fair shake. He was, yeah. they were, they were setting up Batista to, to go on to WrestleMania, that changed with the support that Daniel Bryan got, Bryan Danielson now at the time. Um, backstage politics seems to to follow the problem that is CM Punk. Um, I've, I've been on record on, on my show. I've, I've been on record in, in private conversations. Um, my opinion of CM Punk is is not favorable to say the least.
1: Me either, um, I'm glad to hear you say that. I, I I don't understand why people like him so much. Like I've never liked CM Punk no matter where he's been.
8: Listen, my, and I'll, I'll try to say this really quickly. The, the my first experience to CM Punk as a fan, uh, locally, they were having hosting a Monday Night Raw here. He was the top babyface on the, on the show. He came on a radio station and basically buried the host of this radio show to the point where they threw away their format and decided to have, uh, fans call in and he crapped all over the fans, uh, just, just really, really bad. Like you could tell he had a bad attitude. And so, when it comes to this, listen, every every company has their good old boy system. WCW had it when Holland Nash came in. Hogan got to call a lot of the shots before that. E.N.W.A., Ric Flair, uh, Dusty Rhodes caught a lot of the shots. So every company has that good old boy system. And for whatever reason, CM Punk has not been able to get into that good old boy system wherever he goes. So the fact that he rubbed people the wrong way in AEW uh, a mere year after he got there, It was a big deal. The the fans loved him uh, coming back. He's now a former two-time champion. Both reigns lasted less than a week. Um, You know, my opinions are, okay, let's move on at this point. Like, the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega helped start AEW. Um, You know, they they were famous. They they really rose to uh, that elite status, if you will, in New Japan. They brought that over here to the States with AEW. Um, I feel like a lot more people in that company get along with, with the elite than they did with CM Punk. So, um, you know, he might sell tickets, he might get some, you know, some fans talking about it. Uh, but beyond that, I think it, I think it's time to move on from CM Punk and just kind of go with
1: what they have. I've never felt like CM Punk was a big enough draw. and Maybe it's just me, but you know, I just never understood the, the appeal of him, uh, there was a stretch where I stopped watching wrestling uh right around the uh I'm trying to think probably late early 2000s I, I stopped for a little bit and then came back around like 2011 2012 and that was kind of you know Edge had just retired and it was kind of it was a void at the top of the card and it was like John Cena and then CM Punk and uh, you know, guys out of OVW, like, you know, Brock Lesnar, Batista, those guys started rising at that point. And I just never understood why the crowd likes CM Punk so much. Uh, he, He's always come off as arrogant and big, a bigger star than I've always perceived him to be. Like, I, I've i had zero interest in turning to AEW because CM Punk is there. Like, that that's mm-hmm. not enough to move the needle for me. And I think Roman Reigns actually <laughs> had a, a comment about that. They were going back and forth in the traits about, uh, who actual needle movers are and that CM Punk never moved the needle the way John Cena or Stone Cold or The Rock or even Roman Reigns today uh, is doing in the industry. Uh, Mike, what uh, what do you think is going to happen here? Because on, on some aspects, I do see some parallels to late WCW, except that there seems to be more money invested in AEW where they can be around for the long haul. But I think one of the reasons things kept me away from AEW is that it reminds me too much of WCW in terms of uh you know the way it's shot what it's on tnt it's on tbs it's it's kind of it's the competitor to wwe it's they try to do things out of the box but they also do some things that, w, that wcw messed up on like giving guys like the young bucks and kenny omega i wouldn't say booking power but as executive vice presidents i'm sure they have a say in how certain things go do you think it was a mistake for them to come in with that kind
2: of power yeah so when AEW started it was started with you know they sold out all in in Chicago and they're like wow we can move to the states a lot of those guys were in Japan we can move to the states and do this like weekly and more consistently and that's where Cody and Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks were like yeah let's do it and on, on one hand it's a good idea because they can relate to the wrestlers relate to the talent but on the other hand it's Kind of like inmates running the asylum, which might have been what we got this week. And to be (laughs) be honest, I'm I'm not 100 percent convinced this is like real or if it's just another work, because like Ryan said, yeah, like Mm. Ryan said, MJF, that was one of the greatest works in history using his contract negotiations that spilled out, hey, CM Punk just won the title, MJF cut a pipe bomb promo, say, you don't want to be here anymore. MJF cut from via package, cut from commercials, cut from advertising. Just like that. Yeah. Vanishes. And then all of a sudden Mm. he comes back with the Tony Khan voicemail, begging him to come back. MJF walks in and wow, we're left. You know swerved yeah. and and the only reason i'm thinking mm. there's a chance that it could be a work by tony khan is he didn't cut the mics during the punk press conference the fight necessarily wasn't seen by anybody yeah there's no cameras so, or like, or no anything. camera we, no video anything and and cm punk apparently tore his tricep and so he'll be out of action for around six months mm which they were means. saying
8: they were saying it was his pec. I think it was it was Christian Cage who tore his tricep but the point remains is that there's a rumor that he tore his pack yeah so he's legit, injured. In yeah, so he's legit
2: plus, injured didn't
1: Kenny Omega kind of come back early like and he's still kind of banged up a little bit or he didn't look like himself yeah so, I mean I mean that opens up the door to is this an elaborate work to kind of get them all off at the same time build the buzz AW Dynamite had over a million viewers uh, earlier this week right after the fallout of it so People did tune in.
2: Um I and don't people know. will tune in next uh in a couple yeah. of weeks when they crown a new world champion.
1: Can can a, can a promotion survive doing works like this though? Like after a certain point, like people just aren't gonna believe anything that's going on, right? So my my problem is
8: as far as thinking about whether this is a, a shoot or a work, is that it diminishes the meaning of the title if they've had to vacate it off CM Punk yeah. twice. Twice. <laughs> that's why that's why I don't I, I don't feel like this 100%. is necessarily a work from that standpoint um but i mean if i don't listen if you're getting people to talk about your product if you're getting people to tune into your product to find out what's going to get what's going to happen then it's it's a brilliant move however Mm -hmm. i don't think that that's completely what this is i still think that there is some legitimacy to the actual heat between cm punk's camp and the elite uh if you will um and I think this might be Tony Khan's way of, of sort of cooling that heat off, like hitting a fire extinguisher with it. I mean, I think it wasn't just the AEW world title that was vacated. It the sure first was. ever AEW trios champions were were vacated and 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 not awarded, but there was a match that started off dynamite this past week. So um, you know, from from a championship legitimacy standpoint, because you want to put those championships on that prestigious. You know, playing like you want to strive to get these titles when you're having people suspended and therefore having those championship strips,
4: that hurts the product.
1: I mean, yeah. I mean, why would you agree to that? You know, to have that happen twice. And plus, you bring up a good point, Ryan, that trios tournament. I think when it was announced, we all kind of knew that it was designed for the elite to win those belts in the end. Uh, even though Kenny Omega was out injured, you know, when they announced it or whatever, we knew kind of deep down. I don't even watch AEW and I knew it was yeah. like okay, <laughs> that's gonna be <laughs> that's gonna be the belt the elite has, and then eventually they're gonna set up Kenny versus CM Punk or whoever for the world title. And they'll, they'll well, get I was to thinking more. it was
8: the, the Undisputed Elite with uh with Oh yeah,
1: Adam Cole and, and, and yeah, animal. yeah, yeah. They would yeah. be able to go back and forth with them. That would probably be the next uh, the well, next feud there, and that would have been fun.
2: Uh, well now Bobby Fish is uh, apparently
1: out of. AEW now. And maybe heading back over to WWE in some capacity. Um, I want to switch over there real quick while we still got some time. Uh, Triple H. I love Triple H right now. Triple H has turned wrestling for me fun again because it was starting to become a chore to try to get through a Raw that's had the same five matches for like eight weeks in a row with just a different variation of them with no kind of conclusion, no kind of idea of where anything is going. Triple H comes in, picks up the book, and just literally just Everything just seems clear. Everything seems like it has a purpose. There's a surprise appearance every week, it feels like on Raw and SmackDown, There's somebody coming back. This past week, Braun Strowman on Raw. This all leads to uh, the biggest question in WWE today, and who is left to challenge Roman Reigns? Uh, he's almost gotten to a point where he's gonna have to recycle back through guys again. Uh, I feel like they're kind of building Sami Zayn to reunite with Kevin Owens. To challenge the Usos for the tag team titles. I feel like that's kind of happening there. With Roman, it feels like I was trying to think how they got when Becky Lynch won at WrestleMania and she was Becky Two Belts or whatever. How did they get the belt off of her? <clears throat> they booked her in a triple threat. And uh I think Bailey pinned Charlotte. So she got out of it clean. She didn't get pinned or anything. She still had the raw title, but she lost the the SmackDown title to Bailey. And it it it, it, it was a, a good way to split the titles back up again if we see Roman get placed in a triple threat match anytime soon in a pay-per-view that's probably going to be when he loses one of those belts so they'll, they'll probably they even laid the stipulation out before the uh that triple threat I think it was two falls or something like that if I'm remembering
6: mm-hmm.
1: first fall was for SmackDown the second one was for Raw I think Becky got the first pin and then Bailey pinned the second one it'll probably run something like that because that that match felt like it had Paul Heyman and Triple H's fingers all over it in terms of how to do this I know Paul probably thinks at this point okay Let's squeeze this lemon for as much juice as we can get out of it. But it does start to feel like now, as the bloodline grows with uh, Solo Sokola being pulled up from NXT, the Uso's little brother, so now they have a healthy four just in time for Survivor Series. Uh, Maybe the question should be, who will the bloodline face at Survivor Series first? Because that'll be the next thing coming up that we see Roman in in uh, October, because I don't even believe he's going to be at Extreme Rules in uh, September. So who would you put in a team to take on the bloodline in October a team of four
8: listen if, if if I'm if I'm in charge of creative I'm uh they, they've they already I've, I've mentioned it in the past before they dropped the ball with the League of Nations but we have seen uh, yeah. Seamus yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah we've seen Seamus go to war with quite a few people with Drew McIntyre with Gunther mm. I would love to see a team if we're doing four v 4 I'd love to see a team with Drew McIntyre Seamus Gunther and I don't know throw in I, I mean some some other random uh British guy or or maybe even Shinsuke you know like just ooh, yeah, you ooh. you could you could work that out where where it's like you know what these are all the guys that came from overseas but the Samoan dynasty is still what reigns supreme so let's once again sort of feed him I mean and and if you watch yeah. boss at the castle man that that Cardiff crowd was hot for both Sheamus oh, yeah. and McIntyre man they made so, it so
1: much fun to watch that pay-per-view like from beginning yeah. to end because I wasn't I wasn't sure in the beginning how much I was gonna get into it and and that uh the 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 uh the women's match with uh what are they called damage control uh Bailey's Yeah. yeah. Bailey's. Yeah, yeah. yeah they started singing the Bailey thing or whatever <laughs> and I was That's like great, oh okay it's gonna be one of those pay-per-views and like by the time they got to uh Gunther versus uh Sheamus. Sheamus. yeah brutal Oh Roodle. my gosh, it was just like two dudes it, just slapping meat for like 30 it minutes. Felt, it felt
8: like a New Japan, it felt like a New it Japan did. match. Like it, it, it felt. And um, I loved so it. I loved they it. Needed good,
1: they really need they need to run that back at Extreme Rules and figure I out agree. maybe like, you know, backyard brawl or something like that or. Hellfast
2: brawl or something. something. Yeah,
1: let, let them just go at it. But uh, Imperium uh, uh, I uh, love reforming, it. which is awesome. One of the things I've noticed with Triple H uh, that Vince McMahon did not care for uh, or stables. Triple H loves stables. He's a he's a product of a stable, multiple stables, and to me, he looks at it like you build your mil- your mid card by having stables. You you and you build your future main eventers from those mid cards from those stables. And if you look at the Attitude Era, that's literally how they built it. From DX to Nation of Domination to even the Oddities or whatever click was out there at the time in attitude they had like 10 different groups running Most around.
8: was the DoA, oh, yeah. somebody yeah.
1: came out of each one of those groups and became a mid carter and then a main eventer and as we got deeper into the 90s early 2000s those got austin rock triple h uh mankind like all those guys undertaker with the the ministry and all that stuff it all kind of stemmed from out of that and it feels like that's what wwe is, is trying to build now that was the one thing i've noticed with triple h was that they started clicking people up again he started putting people back together uh and just made things make more sense but who do you guys think real quick who would who would you like to see Roman Reigns lose one of these straps to I'm not gonna say two because I'm pretty sure he's holding on to one all the way to WrestleMania where his cousin's gonna be waiting but if he loses this Raw title which is the one he's had the least amount of time who would be the best option for it
2: I feel like they missed their chance this past weekend in the UK with Drew McIntyre, mm. like it felt right, like you could have somehow kept the Universal Title on. You know, a lot yeah. of people had talked about, you know, have Theory try to cash in, make it a triple threat, McIntyre pin Theory, win the WWE Championship, Roman Reigns keep the Universal Title, but that was that was their going ticket, and I feel like this is going to turn into a Brock Lesnar reign where Roman Reigns just vanishes for a couple months, appears at Survivor Series appears at Royal Rumble I will appears say at WrestleMania. I, I, I do like that he's not there
1: every week because I I do feel like at this point they've elevated him to the point where why should he be there every week like you he's gotta make mistaken. him an attraction yeah it's like you got to kind of want him there so when he is there there's a buzz like oh okay Roman's on SmackDown Friday night or oh Roman's gonna be on Raw so mm-hmm. I kind of see what they're doing but they they are walking a fine line of you can't have him out too long like brock was brock would be in for like months with the belt i remember one of those reigns after he had won it he just disappeared for like a couple of months and like mm-hmm. raw had nothing like nothing i think seth rollins and someone else was battling over the u.s title they didn't know how to elevate it right that's something else triple h has done correctly he's elevated the mid-card title so they actually feel important that gunther uh seamus title match for the intercontinental i forgot who the ic title holder was for the longest and so i was like oh okay it's gunther and then i saw that match and bobby lashley's doing god's work over on raw with the u.s title like he's carrying the show main especially
2: with especially with the Miz and dexter loomis this past monday that
1: that stuff too like all that like all this stuff that's going on i'm like man i'm actually interested in like multiple storylines going on right now it's been a long time but bobby lashley is bobby lashley the one Listen, mm-hmm.
8: to kind of to, to Michael's point, uh, the Drew McIntyre not winning it in Cardiff, it's it's very reminiscent of DDP Goldberg Halloween Havoc. I believe it was '96. That's a great, uh, you know, yeah. they 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 had the shot. That's you could feel it in the moment. That's who deserved to win, and they didn't give it to him. Listen, I've I've been on record many times saying that Roman Reigns will not lose either title until WrestleMania, and it will not be The Rock taking the title off of him. It will be Cody Rhodes. Cody Rhodes at slam. He, mm. No, Cody Rhodes will return
2: that at Royal the Royal Rumble, yeah.
8: win the Rumble. He will take the title off of Roman at WrestleMania. Eventually, Theory will get involved and take the title off Cody. But the fact of the matter is that Roman Reigns is not losing the title anytime soon. If he fights The Rock at WrestleMania, it will not be for a title. That means that he might lose the championship to Cody Rhodes at the Royal Rumble. Uh, but the, the fact of the matter is that he's not losing the title before 2020. Uh, three comes upon us. I just, I don't see it. And and to my, to to that point, I don't think there's a reason in splitting the titles back up. I think there's plenty of talent to carry the shows without having two world champions, without having two sets of tag team champions for that matter. I think they should just, there's, there's rumors that there are being titles redesigned at this moment. So maybe that's, kind of going back to show maybe they'll reduce the length of the name of the title because i don't want to say the undisputed wwe universal championship yeah, every Network time i talk Church. about it yeah <laughs> <Every> so <time. laughs> yeah so so i again i you know and you're, you talk about opponents like they're bringing people back that were released um to sort of feed to roman to hold him over until cody gets that strap you already mentioned braun Strowman. you mm-hmm. talk about carrying cross um mm-hmm. you've got got you've got guys on the roster that could be sort of that the underdog type type move like you could have ricochet come in and win some sort of like eight man battle royal and get his shot now he's he'll, he'll get destroyed Big. but you're you're gonna have those opportunities where people can be elevated to have a shot at Roman so that Romans eventually can say I I've taken out everybody and all of a sudden you hear Cody Rhodes's interest music hit and now we we set it up for for oh. Cody to finally crawl, climb that mountain And and grab that brass ring, if you will. Uh, We
1: just talked about the two mid-card title holders, Bobby Lashley or Gunther. Like, those would be interesting programs for Roman. Um, Gunther uh, versus Roman would be. I would be, I don't even know. Like, my mind can't process it. Like, I'm trying to figure out how that would even go, but i don't uh, know if roman could physically handle yeah from he might, mess back on I <laughs> <'Cause laughs> don't, don't want no parts of that that's too much no, famous looked like lasagna when that when that Ooh, match was over with it was so was ugly yeah um we we're at the end of this segment i do want to say uh my theory for all this i do agree with you ryan i think he is going to get all the way to wrestlemania with both the belts uh i do think their england is to, to take on the rock and they're they're they've been pushing this narrative that he's the goat Like it's almost like this lebron james jordan like parallel where they're trying to push reins into your mind as he's better than hogan he's better than rock he's better than stone cold he's the greatest of all time it's almost like pat mcafee's been instructed to say it every time he walks out so having said they're building it like that and say he gets to wrestlemania and he's going to fight the rock rocks in you know pristine condition they have a match of the ages and roman wins and not only wins he wins clean with no interference from the bloodline I think the very next night, Roman comes out, relinquishes the titles, and leaves. And he's just gone wow. until until whenever he wants to come back. Uh, and at that point, they could split the titles back up again if they wanted to. They could keep them together if they wanted to, but based on whatever happened. But that way, you've got it where Roman has a legitimate claim to be one of the greatest of all time. At that point, he would have beaten The Rock, John Cena, Edge, Daniel Bryan. Uh, I mean, the list just goes on and on and on and on and on. And it would be hard kind of the way it is right now with LeBron, where people are still, you know, Jordan's the greatest, Jordan's the greatest. But LeBron is adding stuff to his resume where it's hard to keep him out the conversation. I don't know if I'll ever be able to elevate him over. Just like I don't know if I could ever elevate Reigns over, you know, Hulk Hogan or the, or Stone Cold or The Rock. But you got to put him on the, the Mount Rushmore if he accomplishes that and then just walks out like I've done everything there is to do. I'm, I'm gone. I'm leaving. There's nothing left for me to do. And then by that point, maybe bloodlines, you know, enough words, the three of them is the Usos and the little brother, and they can still continue on with Paul, you know? So I, I don't know, but. That's what it feels like. It feels like they're building this to a point where no one's going to beat him. Like at this point, like if Brock couldn't beat him. in like three separate tries and they built Brock for seven years to not be beaten like the incredible Hulk. It doesn't really make sense for Austin theory to pin him or. For anyone really at this point so i don't know that's just my my thought it'll be it.
8: that much more special when he does get beaten for the title and uh, yeah. nobody knows when it's coming and nobody i do knows feel like
1: and this time i feel better about it because i know it's in triple h's hands in terms of the booking like if vince was holding on to this still i feel like he oh, would just give God. it away on a monday to like <laughs> ricochet. <laughs> Aziz. ricochet was the first name that came to mind like they would just <laughs> give him Ricochet for a night or something and it just ruined the yeah. whole thing just to get a pop Uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm happy that it's in the right hands with, uh, (laughs) with Triple H. We got to do this more often. We're going to do this more often throughout the year too. I'm going to bring back Ryan and Michael. You can catch Ryan's show tap outs and touchdowns throughout the afternoons on tobacco on the weekdays. You can catch out of pocket with Michael Davis every Friday at 4 PM. Uh, and then it repeats at 12 noon every Saturday. So, uh, definitely check both of them out. We'll be back in just a bit. You're listening to the rundown here on tobacco and WWBG 1470 AM.
0: You're listening to The Rundown with Desmond Johnson. Hey
4: Pops, where you want to go eat tonight? I'm gonna go get me some good southern cooking at Ball Brothers down
1: by the airport in Winston. No Pops, it's Bell Brothers and they closed years ago. It's Taste of the Triad now. Taste of the Triad? Is it in the old Ball Brothers building? Yup. Can I still get baked chicken and collard greens? Sure can. How about neck bones, meatloaf and pork chops? Taste of the Triad has all that. So they
4: ain't got pinto beans, tater salad, mac and cheese, or fried okra? Pops,
6: they have all that, plus homemade cakes and cobblers, and sweet potato pie.
4: Well then, I don't care what they
2: call it, let's go eat.
6: Taste of the Triad, open daily for lunch with $5.99 specials from 11 to 2, and chef specials daily. Don't miss the Saturday brunch from 9 to 1 and the soulful Sunday dinner when you come out of church full of the word, but hungry for Southern comfort food taste of the triad in the old bell brothers building at old walkertown road and north liberty in winston-salem
2: that's good southern cooking
1: Sedgefield lawn and landscape supplies your one-stop shop for your lawn family owned serving customers residential or commercial check out our large selection of mulch pine needles
7: sand gravel grass.
0: Welcome back to The Rundown. I'm your host, Desmond Johnson, here on a rainy
1: Saturday morning here across the triad. Shout out to everybody's checking us out on WWBG, 1470 AM, and TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com online. You can catch us every Saturday morning live. Um, Facebook Watch, YouTube, on Twitter, at Tobacco Radio. Follow us there. LinkedIn. Happy to have everyone here. Shout out to Jim, uh, Jim Zoki from the Carolina Panthers Radio Network for joining us in Hour 1, and Michael Davis and... Uh, From tap out some touchdowns, Ryan uh, Frick for uh, coming in and talking a little wrestling. Believe takeover hour number two. Got uh, guests coming in from the Believe Network. Uh, Believe your trusted uh, source for professional podcasts and more—not just sports, all kinds of stuff going on the Believe Network right now. Happy that all 32 NFL teams have a Believe podcast attached to them, and we've got three of them, uh, three of their hosts with us today. Of course, you know, I co-host the Believe in Carolina Panthers podcast with Sports Illustrated, Skyler Callahan, and Panthers running back great Jonathan Stewart. With us right now, uh, the host of Believe in the Kansas City Chiefs podcast, Jeff Bedodin on, uh, on the line with us. Uh, from the Cannon Fire podcast, which is the Tampa Bay uh, Believe podcast, Evan Wanish with us. And from Believe in the New Orleans Saints, David Grubb joining us. So I've got guys from all over the country to get you guys set for uh, NFL Sunday tomorrow. Fellas, what's going on? What's happening?
6: Hey, thanks so much for having us on, Desmond. Uh,
1: I think I'm going to make this a a regular thing throughout the season and just rotate Believe hosts throughout my second hour of the show. I figure, why not? It's a wealth of uh, knowledge and fun. We've been doing a lot more stuff crossing over uh, with shows and whatnot, with Believe expanding even further out there and more people getting aware of what Believe is about and what we're doing over here. Um, I wanted to start off. With uh, some of the NFL big storylines as we go into this Sunday, uh, m- the game I have at one o'clock Sunday on CBS, Panthers versus Browns, has turned almost into a pick'em. Uh, I've never seen a game go so back and forth betting-wise in terms of the Browns opened up like a two and a half point favorite, then like a day or two later, it swung all the way to Carolina being a two point favorite. I haven't even looked at it this morning to see where it's at, but I imagine it's probably settled right around a pick'em almost. It's uh, the the Baker Mayfield revenge game of sorts as uh, Baker Mayfield takes on the Cleveland Browns led by Jacoby Brissett. So uh, <laughs> let's just go around real quick. Your thoughts on this. I feel like Carolina is getting um, underrated by the national media, which is fine. That happens all the time. It happens every year. Matter of fact, there were any year we've gone to the Super Bowl, No one picked us to go there, including myself or any of the Panther fans. So if it happens, it kind of happens out of the blue Panthers have won five uh, wins the past two seasons, but it feels like a different team. Let's go around here. Your thoughts on Baker Mayfield. Can Baker Mayfield be the solution to the woes of the Carolina Panthers from last year? Uh, let's start with you, Jeff.
6: Uh, first of all, like you said, who would have thought this would have been the the game perhaps of week one? But the, yeah. the <laughs> Baker Mayfield uh, stuff is exciting. And he's not one, you know, he's he's not going to take the quiet, oh, this is another game. He It's Baker Mayfield. You know that he's going to be pumped. He's going to say stuff. Uh, so it adds to the excitement. Uh, I'm really curious, too, that sometimes you can be – he's going to be amped up. Sometimes you can be, especially as emotional as he is, you can be a little bit too amped up and start pressing. So I, I'm really curious to see how it goes. But I'm like you. I think that the Panthers are a little bit underrated. Um, you've got a good defense. Hassan Reddick is a big loss, but you still have a lot of big names. Burns, Chin on that, uh, that defense. I think a lot of it comes down to – uh, Christian McCaffrey. Is he finally going to be healthy? He's a little bit dinged up. I wonder if that's... You talked about the line. I wonder if maybe it's been following whether he's practicing or, or not as far as but
1: that. He, so, okay, but he fully practiced. He he got nicked on his shin by a cleat, uh, so they put him on the not injury report. The
6: biggest deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And
1: a cruel joke to Panther fans and anyone that's tried to defend him in his injury uh, history the past uh-huh. three years. We saw his name pop up on the injury report <laughs> like two days before the start <laughs> of this game. We're like, what is going on? But no, you he, uh, his shin got cut or something by a cleat. They expect him to be fully, uh, available 100%. Um, didn't play any preseason games. So they kind of left them bubble wrap for most of the preseason, which we all like as Carolina Panthers fans. And I agree. If McCaffrey can stay upright throughout the season, I think the perception of the Panthers completely changes and the perception of Baker Mayfield as a quarterback. If you have Christian McCaffrey running in the backfield behind you, hell, he made Sam Darnold look like Troy Aikman for the first three games of the season last year. So it will, we'll see if, uh, McCaffrey can. Hold on there. I'm grateful to have two hosts that reside in the same neighborhood as me in the NFC South. Uh, I I, I got to move to Tampa real quick. They're going to be the nightcap on Sunday night, taking on America's team, uh, the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, that's going to be a huge game. Uh, Evan, what is going on uh, in Tampa? How confident do you feel that Tom – how should I phrase this? <laughs> how confident do you feel that Tom Brady will finish the season as a Tampa Bay Buccaneer? Because I feel like – it almost feels like he's kind of like he's there because he said he would be there, but like he's kind of like regretting he came back. I, I don't know. You you report on the team every week. Give us a vibe of what's happening in Tampa with uh, terrific Tom.
3: Yeah, I, I personally don't have any concerns about him. You know, lasting the the, the season. Uh, you know, I think when he came back, he sort of knew the commitment that it would take, and I think he knew that. You know what, he has to put in somebody as dedicated as he is to the game and everything. I think that he sort of knew kind of what he was getting himself into there. So I don't think it's a surprise to him of what's occurred and everything. But obviously, the 11 day absence was. Confusing and, and puzzling uh, for, you know, for your starting quarterback to just be absent from training camp for 11 days right in the middle of it. it's not uh, a, a usual thing but uh, you know at all signs of that he, he's ready to go uh, we'll see how the offensive line holds up in front of him there's some experience there at center and left guard but hopefully with guys like Tristan Works returning from injury he's fully healthy now. Uh, and then obviously they acquired Shaq Mason in the offseason. Hopefully, they can hold down that right side and, and be able to protect them so he has time to throw to uh, the uh, an insane amount of weapons that, that he currently has.
1: The uh, the Saints taking on the Falcons at 1 p.m. on Fox. So, uh, David, your boys are going to start with a division game week one. Uh, how, how is it uh, in Saints Nation right now? Uh, AS after Sean with Sean Payton gone. Uh, I have I have said I I would be more concerned about it than the national media has really talked about it in terms of Sean Payton not being the head coach. The last time he didn't coach through a season was when he was serving the suspension for Bounty Gate. And I don't remember the Saints having that great of a year that year. And Drew Brees was under center uh, during that season. Thoughts from the Saints camp in terms of no Sean Payton? No so worries. Failing, no no worries. worries. It's the it's no worries. One. Nobody has any worries. It's zero and no, zero. I mean, but, we're good to go. Look, Sean,
4: Payton, <laughs> Sean Payton had been here 15 seasons, and there's a time – limit on everything like you know you talk about let's let's be let's be real since the saints won a super bowl in 2010 they made exactly one nfc championship game appearance since the last time they won the super bowl so let's not act like the sean payton era was this impeccable era you know there was a lot of good things that happened but the saints didn't you know get to the level that they were supposed to in a number of those seasons and part of that had to do with holding on to drew Brees for a little bit too long and giving him three farewell tours essentially um, when you knew that he couldn't look, the reason Tampa Bay beats the Saints in the Superdome in the playoffs is because they flat out said it. They didn't have to back up in the second level defensively. They were able to put plant their feet with their safeties, knowing the Saints couldn't go downfield. So when you have that in the playoffs, when you lose three playoff games at home, you know you talk about the you can we can talk about the the uh, you know Nola no call, but Saints had the ball first possession of overtime of Drew Brees throws an interception. You lose to Minnesota at home. That That's not supposed to happen. The Saints defense did its job in every one of those games. It was the offense that let them down, and that's Sean Payton's area of expertise. What you're looking at now is a Saints offense that comes back. Your number one receiver from last year, Deontay Hardy, is now your fifth. You got Michael Thomas back. You know what I'm saying? So even Michael Thomas at 80% is better than most of the receivers in the NFL. And he should be healthy for Week One. On the other side, you got Jarvis Landry, who was breaking records his first four seasons in the NFL on a bad Dolphins offense. So Jarvis Landry's healthy and back in Louisiana. Chris Olave, you take him in the you know in the first round, and you have him as your third receiver. You still have um, Marcus Callaway, who had a very good end of the season last year, and a Saints team that has won the last four games in a row over. over Tampa in the regular season, a Saints team that that really – the struggle for the Saints, and you know this, is when they go to Carolina. When the Saints visit Carolina, that is probably the toughest game for them in the division each year. Over the last decade, no team has been more difficult for the Saints than the Panthers. The issue for the Saints this year is you open the season with three straight division games, which is very weird. And so they've got to get off to a great start. That's the the, the biggest thing is can you win those three division games coming out of the gate – Those each are like two games apiece. But as far as Jameis Winston, people are comfortable with Jameis. Jameis doesn't have to be the savior here. He's got a full complement of weapons. For Christian McCaffrey, you know, we've got our Alvin Kamara. We've got our, you know, the Saints receiving core is set. You have a good, one of the best touchdown scorers in the league in Alvin Kamara. The offensive line also, like in Tampa, is kind of in flux. There's some key guys. You re-sign Chris McCoy, who is one of the best centers in the league. You have Ryan Ramchek, who I think is criminally underrated year in and year out who plays at an all pro level, but just doesn't get the recognition. Andrews Pete is always a question mark if he's, if he's going to be healthy or not, but the saints are returning a top five defense. You know what I'm saying? You've got one of the best shutdown corners on one side in Marshawn Lattimore. And on the other side, you know, Paulson Adibo played well above his uh, predictions last year, and they like him even better this year. That's defensive line is again, everything in the NFL is about healthy. So if the saints have Marcus Davenport healthy, If Cam Jordan looks like he looked like the last eight games of last season from the majority of the season this year, Demario Davis is still one of the best sideline to sideline tacklers in the league. And you've got uh, Teron Matthew who can play at the line of scrimmage and will make some plays, I'm sure, in the secondary. And Marcus May. So if I'm the Saints, you were 9-8 and last year playing four quarterbacks and having no offensive weapons. Okay, I feel good about the Saints winning 11 games this year. I, I, I love
1: this. the enthusiasm. <laughs>
6: I, Actually, lo- I love this DB uh editions you mentioned. Not yeah, Matthew, I got to cover Marcus May. That I mean, to an already good defensive uh secondary, there.
1: I, I feel like, um, the you can tell it's you can tell we haven't started the season yet. <laughs> nobody's hurt nobody's made like, a mistake. Yeah, all of us are like 11 and 6, 10 and 7. We're we we're doing it. We, we fix this, we fix that. Another Sunday by the time we get to. 7.30 Sunday evening, I think the three of it – well, no, you'll still – you know, you guys will still be playing uh, the, uh, the Bucks and the Saints. But Jeff, David, and I, by the time we get to 7 o'clock after the afternoon games, we'll be able to kind of sit back and kind of have a better idea of what our teams did in the offseason. Uh, with the way the preseason is now, it's really hard to kind of tell mm. how it's going to be because the ones hardly play. Some of your best players don't play at all. McCaffrey didn't play a single snap in preseason. Uh, so it's kind of hard to tell – over in the AFC West, Jeff, believe in Chiefs host. How concerned are you about the 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 nuclear arms race that happened in your division uh, this off season because I think by and large everyone considers the AFC West the toughest division this year going into it. Uh, do you feel the Chiefs window is closing or do you feel as if they're still right in the thick of things with everything going on, losing Tyreek Hill, uh, Mahomes getting older, you know, all this stuff that's happened over the past, you know, 12 months or so? Uh, I still feel like the Chiefs are probably the most talented team in that division, but uh, they do got uh, like the Chargers, for example, they are coming. Um, What are your thoughts on the AFC uh, West and what happened in this off season? Russell Wilson arriving in Denver, uh, Devontae Adams arriving in Las Vegas. Like you guys literally went through a nuclear arms race in the off season and the rest of the divisions were just like, oh my gosh, what's going on over there? Uh, How do you feel about your Chiefs going into this season uh, a day or so away from opening kickoff?
6: Uh, It's definitely an arms race. You know, the Chiefs, have owned that division but it's going to be much much tougher this year um and, and as far as their window closing i think as long as they have andy Reid and patrick mahomes they're going to be in contention every year kind of like just how with the, the packers with aaron Rodgers, they're they may not you know you they've, they've often uh struggled a bit in the playoffs but they're always a team that is in it that is uh, and i think same with the chiefs but yeah this year is going to be really interesting and i think you know, it, since Patrick Mahomes has been a starter, he's only played home playoff games. He's only uh, played every AFC Championship game has been in Arrowhead Stadium. Um, so I think that part changes this year. Now I don't know. Uh, hard this hard to say. Like you said, there's so many unknowns, and and um, preseason now it's almost like training camp. It's kind of like mini camp. There's there's not as much hitting. Fewer stars. Hard to you know. There's not Two days, so it's really hard to to um, prognosticate what's going to happen. But I do think the division's going to beat itself up. The, the, the teams are going to have a lot of losses. I expect the Chiefs to split with a lot of these teams, and because of that, the record to to be worse. So the Chiefs very well may win the division again, which is amazing. Again, that's all uh, Patrick Mahomes is known as winning the AFC West, and there actually date predates him. Alex Smith winning before him. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's going to affect those teams, the records there. I, I don't, I don't see the Chiefs having getting the number one buy, and that they might again, you know, have to go on the road finally in the playoffs.
1: Sorry, my chihuahua, crazy smarties. <laughs> so I think somebody's going to hear
6: my dog. <laughs> <tumbling>. <laughs> um,
1: I want to hit some big storylines in the NFL. One of the oh. biggest storylines right now: uh, Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens not coming to an agreement. Uh, this past, uh, week, uh, or he, he had said Friday was gonna be the cutoff. It feels like they're kind of in between the Ravens kind of want to sign more of a Kyler Murray type of deal. And the, and Lamar wants to sign more of a, the Watson type of deal where it's 200 and, you know, 35 million, all guaranteed, uh, Kyler Murray's deal, uh, less than that in the guarantees. Um, but I can understand Lamar's viewpoint of it. He's done more than Kyler Murray has done. He's been a, a league MVP in this league. He's taken his team to the playoffs a couple of times. I, Kyler Murray, I don't think he's even won a playoff game, and he, and he secured this bag. Uh, if you were the Baltimore Ravens' ownership, what do you give Lamar Jackson? What's the number that's in your head? Uh, we're thinking five years extension. W- what number are you comfortable offering him and how much of it would be guaranteed? Because although Lamar's a uh, quote-unquote running quarterback, he does avoid hits uh, very well as opposed to like a RG3 or someone from back in the day that just didn't learn how to slide. Or Cam Newton or even Josh Allen today where, and we'll get to him in just a second in the Bills from Thursday, where Cam would look for guys to like truck stick. Like he would look for guys to literally roll over because he figured it was better to uh, to uh, you know give the punishment than to receive it. What would you offer Lamar Jackson, knowing that w- one hit would, you know, basically cripple your franchise? But you've built your entire franchise around Lamar Jackson over the past three years. Um, Evan, let's we'll start with you. What what number pops in your head immediately that you would give Lamar Jackson a uh, previous league MVP?
3: Well, I, I think it's it's definitely over Kyler Murray's number. Um, I mean, when you're looking at uh, even like a Deshaun what? Watson number, Deshaun Watson doesn't have a league MVP. Uh, Deshaun Watson didn't even play football for an entire year before getting that number. So, uh, I think Lamar deserves what he's asking for. I think he should get a, a similar contract to Deshaun Watson. Uh, now I do think what the Browns did with Deshaun Watson was a little bit unprecedented. So maybe it's a little bit less, but, uh, I do think he should be getting way more than Kyler Murray. Like you guys said, he's a league MVP. Uh, Lamar's won a playoff game before. And he's proven that he's playing in this league. Now, the interesting thing is uh, the report about, you know, they're likely to franchise tag him after the season. And I actually found it interesting that uh, Dak Prescott is the only quarterback in NFL history to be franchise tagged and then re-sign a long-term deal with the team that franchise tagged him. It's crazy that that that's how it turned out. And, like, uh, you know, Drew Brees was franchise tagged by the Chargers, did not re-sign with the Chargers. Uh, Kirk Cousins was franchise tagged twice by did not resign with Washington, so um, you know it's very interesting. And if Lamar is franchise tagged, who knows what's going to happen? It'll it'll be interesting to see. But personally, I, I I would give him the bag.
1: Just to give a viewpoint here before I ask the other two, uh, their thought of a number, the the largest contract in the NFL is Patrick Mahomes at $450,000 or $450 million, excuse me, (laughs) over the next 10 years. Uh, In terms of average value, that belongs still to Aaron Rodgers, who signed a $150 million three year extension uh, where he'll average $50 million per year, which was just nuts to me. Uh, The Russell Wilson deal came out to $242 million. Uh, average of about 48 million per year. The Kyler Murray deal is 230 million with about 46 million per deal uh, per year with 189 million guaranteed. Russell Wilson's is 161 million guaranteed. So that'll just give you some parameters of where you think Lamar might be. Uh, Jeff, your thoughts on this? We're, we're, we'll, if you were the Baltimore Ra- Ravers, ugh, the Baltimore Ravens ownership, what would you offer Lamar Jackson?
6: And the big question we're leaving out is: there going to be a clause, a, a homework clause? Does he have? Does he have to Tyler? <laughs> right? You going to play too many video games? Oh, you know, my This, this is, a, is a great question: of what, what to pay Lamar? Because I, I think also, I think the biggest thing, Desmond, you mentioned like he's just one hit away because he's a runner. I'm less worried about his durability. He's been pretty last year. You know, he missed a lot of games, but as as much for COVID, he had he did have the ankle injury. Um, I'm more concerned with just his, his post record. It's like you wonder then if, when teams, you know, you have to, to throw the ball and convert passing on third downs. He hasn't had as, as much success, um, but I, I think he's a unique ta- talent talent, um, and I think you have to pay up. I'm curious what they do as far as duration. You mentioned the Patrick Mahomes contract was 10 years, which is unprecedented. I wonder if Lamar though, it's so there's two sides of it. Lamar Maybe um, you give him a shorter deal because you worry that, you know, when he's in his 30s, his, his legs, you know, Mahomes should age pretty well. Burrow should age pretty well, these these natural throwers. But guys who are runners like Lamar, maybe he loses that. But then similarly, the nice thing about Mahomes having him locked up um, so long gives you a lot of flexibility. And that's how kind of the cap works. You have 10 years, you can kind of – play with the money, you can make it bigger one year, lower that, so it gives it, so it's a, it's a really good conundrum. I don't know if the Ravens give them a long deal like that to give them self-salary cap flexibility, or if they try and maximize, say, geez, I don't know if a 35-year-old Lamar Jackson or even a 32-year-old Lamar Jackson is going to be that great a player.
1: Yeah, and, and I keep having this image of, uh, of Cam Newton in terms of uh he he was kind of Lamar before Lamar but if he had came out maybe five years later he would be you know in the same situation uh and speaking of which Josh Allen uh signed a six-year extension for 258 million dollars about 43 million a year 150 million of it guaranteed uh and this all happened over the past like six or seven years where more and more guys were getting more and more guaranteed money David what would you offer Lamar Jackson who uh basically you take him out of the Baltimore Ravens roster, They're a completely different team. Like the the roster has been built around Lamar Jackson, kind of similar to what I I watched my Panthers Uh, do, you know, with the uh, the middle of the 2000s. I'm
4: going to say it like this. They didn't build the roster around Lamar Jackson. What they do is depend on Lamar Jackson. That's the same thing the Panthers did with Cam Newton. They depended on Cam Newton because again, you, you want to talk about Cam Newton the year he won the MVP name, another player on that team that made all pro, Offensively. That that offense had no business making it, making it as far as they did when he carried them to the Super Bowl. Oh, yeah. The team had no business being 15 and 1. No business if you take the, that collection of offensive talent. Same way he did at Auburn. You know what I'm saying? So I think that there's a reliance when you have a talent like Cam Newton or Lamar Jackson you say, well, let them figure it out. And the, the Bravens have not invested in that offense around him. They've not drafted wide receivers early, they've not drafted offensive linemen. So they've not put him in a position. I don't think offensive coordinator-wise, I don't think they've ever put him in a position to, to be technically ahead of other teams, to have a, an advantage strategically over other teams offensively. So when it gets to the playoffs and all you have to do is settle on stopping Lamar Jackson, I mean, Peyton Manning's you know, playoff record was awful until it wasn't,
2: yeah. you know what
4: I mean? So you would talk about – I just think that if I'm Lamar Jackson – my questions for the Ravens are just as hard as the ones as the Ravens have for me, because what are you going to do to make sure that I have a career that lasts here in Baltimore? Because you've not put me in position to win. You've not given me the running back that I need to, to, you know, year in and year out to give, to provide me relief. So if I'm, I mean, I want to guarantee, I want a lot of guarantees if I'm Lamar, I'll take a shorter deal if I'm him too, because the probability is in the NFL, if a quarterback's going to win a Super Bowl, it's by the time they're age 32, 33, once they get beyond that, Tom Brady skewers the the, the, the charts but quarterbacks yeah. don't win the <laughs> unicorn they typically okay. don't win past the age of 32 or 33, a Super Bowl. They may get to one again. You know, we've seen Aaron Rodgers get to one. We've seen guys get back, but they don't typically win. So actually, if you're Lamar actually, Jackson, Aaron
1: Rodgers hasn't been back since. Yeah. So, yeah. so, so I think since Pittsburgh. he was
4: 32 the year he won, yeah. I think he was 32 years old. So that's the thing. Get your money now. If you're Lamar, you're gonna stay. But I'd also be doing like, you know, Russell Wilson or anybody else looking at my options because there are 18 teams around the NFL that I could think of that would love to have a Lamar Jackson. Our quarterback
1: room clears out after this season. So, uh, yeah, (laughs) I mean, you want to step into a ready made situation. I could see Lamar Jackson in electric blue and black in Charlotte. That would be actually it's funny, too, because I wanted Carolina to draft Lamar in twenty eighteen. When we still had Cam and I looked at Enrod Rivera, and I looked at it like you draft Lamar Jackson and you put him behind Cam Newton for a year. Cam was about to come up on a contract year. uh You see how that goes. Cam had been hampered with injuries already for the previous two years. You just kind of get him ready and then he just slides right in. It's like an Aaron Rodgers to, uh, or a Brett Favre Aaron Rodgers type situation. You already had Christian McCaffrey, you drafted him the year before. Instead, they drafted DJ Moore more lasted to the end of the first round where Baltimore picked him up. But we had to pick. He was sitting right there, and we just didn't take it. And we have not had a, a quarterback in four years because of it, basically, uh, until now. And we'll see what happens on Sunday. Uh the Denver, of, trying
6: to interrupt. I a quick question for you. Speaking of yeah. Cam, watching the Bill, Bill's Ram opener... That's man, where <laughs> yeah, I was going. Yeah. So I guess we're on the same wavelength. Great minds think a lot. Yeah. Man, does Josh Allen remind me of peak Cam Newton, MVP Cam Newton. Like, I think... Um, and Josh Allen, I think, is a little bit more accurate. But that if they and Josh Allen looked spectacular in Week One, but if they Cam and Josh Allen had a weakness, it was probably that accuracy a little bit. But their running yeah. game, their their strong arm, what a, that's my comp there.
1: I'll I'll say this because uh, we we down here we call Buffalo uh, Panthers North because of all the the influx of Panther front office people, mm-hmm. former players that are actually playing on this Bills team, and it drives us nuts that the Bills are so good. <laughs> And they've got so many former Panther players and uh the general manager and like and the head coach and all these guys that came from Carolina, a lot of them from that 2015 team. Where, yes, I will say there wasn't, you know, a lot of well-known stars on the offensive end, but collectively as a unit, they were the number one offense in the NFL that year. And all-
4: Cam Cam Newton, you take Cam, Cam off that Cam, they didn't know where clear. Yeah, clear
1: Cam was just on a different level that 2015 <laughs> year where they just weren't gonna lose to anybody. Like we watched them do some stuff that I don't know if I'll ever see anybody do during that season. So, wish they had finished it out because I've, I've said if they had finished that year out and won the Super Bowl, there would be an argument there that they were one of the top three teams of all time because they would have been 17 and one. There's only two other teams that have won a Super Bowl with only one loss. They would have been the number one offense, defense, had the MVP of the league. Like, there would have been an argument to be made there uh, in terms of that happening. But of course, they didn't do it and all that goes away. So, it, it's just that quick. But I see some similarities with this bills team to that 2015 Panthers team. I've been reluctant to get on the train like everyone else and pick the bills to go to the super bowl and win it. Hey, cause it just doesn't sound right. Uh, I'm old enough to remember <laughs> like to not get fooled by the Buffalo bills. Uh, but they, they pretty much have, it feels like everything you need except running back. It feels like Josh Allen is the running back. And that kind of worries me because I just went through this with Cam Newton and the Panthers. They gave him an extension of, uh, six years he's 25 so this will take him until he's 31 or so uh and they guaranteed him 150 million i don't know if josh allen's going to be durable enough to get a second contract if they're going to run him the way he's getting ran right now uh because they're calling like 10 11 design run plays for him and i've always said i don't mind uh a quarterback getting run plays if you want to if you want to condense career like i didn't mind having the best of cam newton for four years or whatnot. Instead of 13 years of Cam Newton and he's not Cam Newton, that he's like, you know, not running and doing what made him Cam Newton. I'd rather have the condensed career of him being great and potential borderline Hall of Fame career with the records and stuff he had instead of uh, changing into something else to preserve your body. And I feel like half of the people want Josh Allen to do that, but that's not Josh Allen. That's not what got him this guaranteed deal. So Buffalo is going to eventually, this is going to happen to Buffalo too. And if they're going to win something with him, I think it has to be this year because the, the, the rest of the division is going to start catching up. Josh Allen's going to get older. And to Jeff's point, I don't think you can run a guy like this without some kind of help. They got help for Cam late. Christian McCaffrey came late. DJ Moore came late. Uh, all all the offensive stuff came late. They just kind of let him sit out there with nothing for years. And he kind of carried the team. And it built up on him. And now he doesn't have a job because he can't you know, get on with anybody. I worry that'll happen to Josh Allen uh after he turns 30 if Buffalo continues to do this. They just feel like they just need a running back. Um do you think Buffalo is the biggest test for the Chiefs in the AFC Jeff or, or uh sort of another team out there you feel like is on that same level? He's, you they know, look, they looked awesome on Thursday. They
6: looked so good so it was easy to pick them number 1 And, in as Josh Allen, like we met, uh, mentioned, looked great. I was most impressed with their defensive line getting such a good pass rush, which was an area of concern. I still worry about their running game a little bit. I think they put a little bit too much on Josh Allen. The running backs, he was a leading rusher, which I don't think it necessarily is a – There's, There's no way. Right? Yeah. And two fumbles from the running back. But as far as the biggest threat, man, the AFC is so loaded. I could see a lot of – teams. I could see the Bills. I could see the Chiefs. I could see the Ravens. I could see the – the, the Bengals, again, who have gotten better, the, basically anybody in the AFC West. So, I mean, I think there's – I don't think there's one power team. I, um, it's going to be really fun to see how the AFC shakes out.
1: That's a good segue here. i got to take a quick break, uh, pay some spon- – or get some sponsors in here. When we come back, I'm going to keep these guys for one more segment. I want to do NFL preseason awards. Uh, I want you guys to think, who's your surprise team going into this season, a team that's going to surprise everybody around the league? Uh, the team likely to fall off. A team maybe that was good last year that's not going to be as good this year. Uh, your coach of the year, your MVP. We're going to get all of that. Uh, and then we're going to repeat the Jim Zoki interview from the Carolina Radio. Carolina Panthers radio network at the end of the show and send you off to your 12 o'clock kickoffs. Apparently every college football team in North Carolina is kicking off at 12 noon today <laughs> for some reason. I don't know why ESPN does this to us. We're like all eight teams or whatever it We're going to all be playing at the same time at the beginning of the day. So we'll get you sent off there as well. We'll be back in just a bit. It's the rundown here on tobacco, and WWBG 1470 AM.
0: You're listening to the rundown
5: with Desmond Johnson. Looking to tailgate this summer? Stop by One Stop on the way. One Stop number six, located just one mile west of East Versailles at 2748 West Mountain Street in Kernersville. One Stop serves fresh fried chicken and our famous taters seven days a week from 6 a.m. to 10 p.m. Feeding a crowd? Get 16 pieces of chicken and sides for just $27.99. Craving wings? Come try our new spicy breaded wings. Get a five-wing meal with six taters and a roll for just $7.39. Now in regular hot ranch or spicy. One stop number 6, 2748 West Mountain Street in Kernersville.
1: Hey, Panther fans, right now on the SiriusXM app, hear the most in-depth Carolina Panthers coverage anywhere with Believe in Carolina Panthers, part of the Believe podcast network on SiriusXM. Here from me, Desmond Johnson, and my co-host, Skylar Callahan from Sports Illustrated, and Panther great Jonathan Stewart, as we break down the Panthers before and after every game through the NFL season. Your team, your podcast. Search B-L-E-A-V in Carolina Panthers on the SiriusXM app, Pandora, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Do you believe? Walkertown Auto Sales, look no further when shopping for your next vehicle. Located in the heart of the triad at 3076 Walkertown View Drive in Walkertown, Walkertown Auto Sales specializes in affordable and reliable used cars, trucks, and SUVs. They offer financing with good credit, bad credit, or no credit, with interest rates as low as 3.9%. With knowledgeable employees that are always willing to go the extra mile, you'll drive away with the car of your dreams at Walkertown Auto Sales. Check out the entire online inventory now at walkertownautosales.com. Com. Mossy's Eats, Ales, and Spirits in Clemens is a unique family friendly sports restaurant with an awesome bar and fresh menu that keeps guests coming back for more. Try the pizzas, buffalo bites and wings, sandwiches, burgers that make your mouth water, made in-house, plus 23 taps and a variety of craft beers. Have a cocktail and relax at Mossy's. Plus with 33 TVs and all the sports packages around, you can watch pretty much any game you can imagine at Mossy's, plus a year-round outdoor patio. Fun atmosphere, great food, What more can you ask for? Mossy's Eats, Ale, and Spirits, 6235 Town Center Drive in Clemens. Visit our website at mossysclemens.com. We love sports.
4: Joe Lewis, the greatest boxer I ever lived.
1: Not only do we love sports, but we love to debate sports.
7: He was bad at catching clay. He bad in Sugar Ray. He bad in that. Who that's you? The new boy. Has. Mike, Mike Tyson look like a bulldog. He bad at him too. He the whip Mike Tyson there. He whip all that.
1: For the best sports analysis in the triad.
4: What about Rocky Marciano?
1: In-depth local coverage of your favorite schools and teams. Let me tell
4: you something once and all. Rocky Marciano was good. But compared to Joe Lewis, Rocky Marciano ain't
1: and of course, the best sports debate in the triad. It's Joe Lewis's ass. Welcome to Tobacco Road
0: Sports Radio.
2: Joe Lewis was 75 years old when he bought. You're welcome. I don't know how old it was, but you got it. After, after, after,
0: after. You're listening to ba- the rundown. Back to the rundown with Desmond Johnson.
1: Welcome back into the rundown here on a rainy Saturday morning here in the Triad. Getting you ready for your college football kickoffs here at 12 noon, led by Carolina versus Georgia State. That's a noon kickoff. I'll run through the college football scoreboard here in just a bit before we get out of this segment. Jim Zoki from the Carolina Panthers radio network will rejoin us here in about 15 minutes or so to end the show. If you've got anything you want to ask the panel, we've got a Believe takeover going on right now, an hour or two. Uh, Jeff from the Believe in Chiefs podcast, Evan Wanish from the Believe in Saints podcast, and, and, uh, excuse me, uh, David Grubb from the Believe in Saints podcast, and Evan Wanish from uh, Cannonfire podcast, which is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers podcast. Uh, We're still talking NFL, getting us ready for week one of the 2022 NFL season. If you have a question for the panel, as we got them here today for uh, NFL talk, you can type it into the Facebook watch or the YouTube channel uh, feed. It'll appear here on the bottom of our screen. We'll be able to interact with you live. Uh, during the show. Uh, Guys, I want to give out NFL preseason awards. Um, Starting off, surprise team. Give me a surprise team in your mind, a team that maybe people aren't talking about uh, or or overlooking that in your mind, you feel like they have a really good shot to be special. It seems like there's always one every year. And I guess last year you could say it was the Cincinnati Bengals. No one expected the Bengals to make the the Super Bowl, and they popped up in there and uh, actually beat some good teams on the way to get there. Um, let's start with you, David, who give me a surprise team in your mind this year that could be that Cincinnati Bengals from last year.
4: Well, I mean, I think, I think the Bengals are right there to be that same team. I think they're being underrated again this year. Um, you know, you have Joe Burrow back, um, you have maybe, you know, one of the most explosive wide receiver trios in the league. You have Joe Mixon at running back. They brought that team back that the, the offensive line should be better than it was a year ago. And I think defensively, that's the biggest area of improvement for them. If they can stop getting into 30 point, you know, shootouts every week, they can be a, a much better team than they were last year where you're fighting to get into the playoffs at the very end. They have a chance to win that division, which is a very tough division, like you said. <laughs> but the Steelers going through a transition there um, at the quarterback position, certainly. And then you look at the Ravens and what they have to deal with with Lamar Jackson and everything and the Browns being the Browns. The Cincinnati Bengals have a really good chance of winning that division and claiming, and like I said, in an AFC that is deeper this year, that could be enough to, to, to get that home field advantage throughout the AFC playoffs when you look at the rest of the divisions that are all going to cannibalize themselves in some way.
1: I would be surprised if the Bengals duplicated what they did last year because, again, I'm old enough to, to remember the Cincinnati Bengals when they were good back in, like, the 80s. Nine, and then, yeah. you know, and even the 90s teams with Marvin Lewis and Ocho Cinco and Pushmanzada and those guys – they were good, but just like not good enough to to really be a threat. But they were just good enough to
4: get in the playoffs each year. Look, I hate the state of Ohio. I was born <laughs> in Michigan, and but I saw Joe Burrow. <laughs> Look, I, you know, you, down here, I covered LSU. I covered him for two seasons, and he's that true. dude is different. Yeah, he's um, the truth. He's different, and that's there. There are a few quarterbacks that I've seen that just have that thing. And Joe Burrow's got that thing,
1: man. Yeah, they, they really got they nailed it with that uh that overall pick with Joe Burrow. I, I just Joe cool. I just I love the the coolness of him. Uh, he made me a fan last year during that playoff run, uh, especially with the duel against uh, Mahomes uh, there in the AFC Championship. Jeff, give me a surprise team that you're thinking of that maybe people aren't talking about, but you think might make some noise this year. a la Cincinnati last year.
6: You know, in in my surprise teams, I got to be honest, they're a little bit lame, but I was going for teams that didn't make the playoffs last year that I think are going to make the playoffs this year. I think one of them, I think the Ravens. I love their draft. They were so beat up last year. I, I think they could win that division and be a real Super Bowl threat. So, I mean, I know the Ravens are always pretty good, but coming off last season when they did dip. And then the other team that a team, you know, has been traditionally good, but they Did not make the playoffs last year. Uh, David, I'm going with your Saints. The reason you mentioned, I I really like that defense. The wide receivers should be much better if Michael Thomas, especially if he can finally stay healthy. And like last year, they were pretty, you know, pretty solid, almost a playoff team. And they did it with, like you said, four quarterbacks. Now Jameis, you think, is healthy. Andy Dalton's a pretty good insurance policy, better than they had last year. So those are two teams that I think um, will make the playoffs this year. Wouldn't be surprised if either won the division.
1: Yeah, I would agree with that. Uh, it would be I would be surprised. Actually, I have the Saints rank lower than a lot of the national media pundits do uh, due to uh, I, I have to see them without Sean Payton. I know David made some great points in the yeah. first segment there. Uh, but for me, I look at it like Jameis played well because Sean Payton was in his ear. Uh, that's right. first, first half of the season. He's not there anymore to do that. Um, so I, I kind of want to see how that plays out. I do agree that they can get by with their defense. And uh, in Kamara suspended in the beginning of the season? No, he's not suspended. Or is he appealing that or something? Didn't have something no? Like they him?
4: they have not even started that because the league he's there's a push because Tony Busby took over that case, and we know Tony Busby from the Deshaun Watson case, obviously. Tony Busby has taken up the the case, but I think that there's going to be a financial settlement that gets reached very quickly um, in the Alvin Kamara case. So um, but he's not suspended. He's gonna play. Um, and they they're not adjudicating his thing till after the season, anyway, based on what Las Vegas has. So the fingers are crossed in New Orleans that he's not gonna face any discipline. Um, but yeah, it's 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 certainly something to watch for Alvin Kamara. But remember, i would say this too. You look at Sean Payton, he really had the handcuffs on Jameis, and Jameis was 14 and had 14 touchdowns, three interceptions and had the number one completion percentage in the red zone in the NFL yeah, he was last season yeah. when he got hurt. He was really playing football. And that was with Sean Payton really not opening up the offense. And you couldn't because they had nobody to throw to. I mean, he was throwing the guys off the street, literally, um, for, for a good three weeks uh, to start the season.
1: Which I loved as a Panther fan. Like, it, it warmed my heart to see that, you know, the Saints were finally, <laughs> finally. The Saints finally. had
4: no kicker either. Yeah. The Saints had, you know, last year they lost two games because of the kicking that they should have won. So, I mean, no, you can't, in the NFL, I don't think you equate them one with the other. Just say, well, they make kicks this year and things are better. I just think they're a better team. Yeah.
1: Evan, give me your surprise team for the season going into it. Uh, Who's the one team that you're looking at that maybe a lot of people aren't talking about that you think
3: you're gonna make some noise. Well, last year it was uh, the same team that was going to be this year, but now, Things have some things have changed, and this team's gotten more buzz now, so it's not as much of a surprise. But I was going to say the Eagles. Uh, I thought the Eagles yeah. were going to take another yeah. step, um, yeah. an even bigger step that they did last year. So uh, I'm still going to say them. It's a little bit more lame now because a lot of people are on the Eagles now, but I'm still going to say Philly. I uh,
1: I'm gonna I'm gonna pick Carolina. <laughs> I'm gonna pick Carolina. Everyone's got them down. Everyone's overlooking them. I feel like it all keys on Christian McCaffrey's health. If Christian McCaffrey is is healthy, I feel like not only is he one of the top running backs in the league, he's one of the top players in the league, like a top five overall player. Last time he was healthy two years ago, 1,000 yards rushing, 1,000 yards receiving. Marshall Falk was the last guy to do that. Uh, Roger Craig, those are the only three guys in NFL history that have done it. And McCaffrey reminds me of Marshall Falk when he's healthy. Um, I hate the fact that he's starting to get this injury-prone label to him because really before the first injuries he hadn't missed a game since high school. All these are soft tissue type, no tears, no bones breaking, nothing like that. And another thing too that's happened with perception, he could have came back earlier in both of these seasons and the Panthers held him out because they were out of playoff contention. So they just reserved they just signed him to an extension. Why, why are you throwing him out there in week 15 when you're not going to make the playoffs? So he could have played you know four or five games they just didn't play and they they kept him off the field so it's not necessarily that like he's just missing seasons and can't get back out there. Um if Baker Mayfield can be adequate, which I think he can be, and if he can provide what Sam Darnold could not, which is I call it grit, spunk, something. It's a little Jake DeLome-ish to me in terms of if you see him on the practice field, you're not going to get wild away by their physical ability. Like you can see Cam Newton across the field. Like who's that guy? Jake DeLome, Baker Mayfield, you they're just one of the guys physically, you know when you see him. But there's something about when the whistle blows and they're out in the field, you feel like they can lead your team to a win or a touchdown or whatever it is. Guys will follow them, and Sam Darnold just didn't have that trait. He just—it felt like he just was missing or was devoid that. Uh, Baker has it. Baker has it in spades. So, uh, and it feels like the team's gravitating to him. I uh, the charity stripe uh, here on Believe uh, got on me because I predicted 11 and six for the Panthers this year and actually winning the NFC South. Like I don't believe in Tampa. I feel like Tom Brady is 45. That's got to eventually come into play here. <laughs> Some, somewhere down the line, him being 45 years old with no interior uh, offensive line really right now that he's familiar with, I know he gets the ball out quick, but th- this is getting ridiculous that Tom Brady can just play with this and come <laughs> back and forth whenever he wants to and win Super Bowls and all this other stuff. <laughs> like, I mean, he's 45. Like, This has to end somewhere down the way. Why not now? And then I laid out the stuff with the Saints. The Falcons, to me, are a dumpster fire. Kyle Pitts can't throw it to himself. So it's like they should probably be the bottom of the South, and that leaves the Panthers. They had a top three defense last year. Uh, they fixed the quarterback situation. They've revamped the offensive line, spent the first-round pick on Aquanu, who fell on their lap, at left tackle, and that's what they needed. McCaffrey's coming back. J.C. Horn is healthy, and it's pretty much like getting a first-round pick two years in a row. There's a, lot, there's a lot to like there. If they get off early – I like the home games they have. They're playing San Francisco at home. They're playing Arizona at home. Uh, The only thing is they have not won a home game since they beat the Saints in week two of last year. So if they don't win on Saturday, they will go a calendar year without winning a game at Bank of America Stadium. So uh, it's almost a must win for me for the Panthers in week one, which just sounds crazy as I say it out loud. But it's true. Like they got to get off to a good start. Matt Rule. People say he's mm-hmm. on the hot seat. I've never really felt that with a seven year contract. But if he doesn't get it done now, there's no excuse for him this year. Like he's got everything he needs to be successful uh, with the Panthers and the division being maybe vulnerable uh, going into it. That would be my surprise team. But, and it would be a surprise. Uh, I think everybody here would be shocked if Carolina <laughs> actually does, you know, 11 to six and does all these things. Um, the team most likely to fall off. Who's the team that made the playoffs last year that will not? Getting the playoffs this year, real quick. We'll just go around the circle. Uh, Jeff, who's a team you could think of that you're just not trusting to make it back to the playoffs this year?
6: Um, You know, I'm I'm gonna go with uh, the team that that, because I've been kind of paying attention to them with the Chiefs playing them in Week One. I think the Arizona Car. I think the Arizona Cardinals are going to take a step back. They looked so good first week. I mean, their receiving core is so decimated. Rondale Moore is banged up. DeAndre Hopkins under suspension. Yep. Uh, Chandler Jones losing him is a huge loss because I'm not sure JJ Watt can stay healthy. He's banged up again and how much he has left. So all of a sudden, you're taking away, I mean, Chandler Jones, one of the best pass rushes consistently the last uh Stretch here of his career, so I think that's a team uh, that that you know. I, I that's the team that I think made the playoffs last year was one of the best teams for much of the year. I think they. Uh, I think they slide back. Uh, that's my pick.
1: Um, David, real quick. Um, who's your pick to San Francisco?
4: Follow? San Francisco. I think they're overrated. Ooh. I think that. I think San Francisco's overrated. And, uh, look, Trey Lance. Yeah, he's got plenty of talent. Yeah, but. You're putting him in a situation where he's got to be the starter. Um, I think that they were – they've lost some of the depth that they enjoyed at running back you know, this offseason. Um, and I think the receiver situation, Debo Samuel in the contract situation, yeah, he got his money. But let's see how – they if that offense can hold up. I just don't know. And defensively, I think they might have peaked already. Um, and if the offense and defense are not going in the same direction, I don't think the four people are, should be as high on the 49ers.
1: Evan, uh, who do you got surprise team to to kind of fall off here from last year?
3: I think it's the Dallas Cowboys. Um, they mm-hmm. lost some pieces on the offensive line. Free, uh, Todd Smith's injury is a big one. Their offense is completely different when he's not on the field. Uh, they lost Randy Gregor in free as well. I know they still have. A lot of talent. Dak Prescott's a great quarterback. They still have Trayvon Diggs, Michael Parsons on the defensive side, but I think the Cowboys are going to take a step back. Plus, I think the Eagles got better as well, so I think that's going to hurt them in division.
1: I'm picking the New England Patriots. Yeah. Um, I do not understand how they're going to win football games this year. I, I get it. Uh Bill Belichick's a, a deity when it comes to coaching, and uh, guru with the draft and all this other stuff. I don't see it. Like, I don't, they don't even have an offensive coordinator name. Like, I don't understand what they're doing. Uh, I think Mac Jones is going to take a step back. I Can anyone here name two offensive skill players for the New England Patriots? <laughs> like, seriously, like, I, I can't. <laughs> like, I can't figure out who's there. Like, I don't know who they have. Like, it feels like they have nothing. Um, so I'm picking New England. They got in the playoffs last year. Uh, I think they're going to miss it this year. We might be watching last year, Bill Belichick. I could see him walk off after this year because this is a long-term rebuilding project they got going on in New England right now, and uh, for as much credit as he gets for the draft stuff, he's not really nailed it in the draft. Mm-hmm. He, he's really good at trading back and getting picks or trading and getting these mid-round picks, but I can't really name guys that lately in the past five or six years that have come out of that draft that New England craft got to. That was directly responsible because of Bill Belichick, you know, moving stuff around the chessboard. I feel like New England stuff is running out and we're starting to see that debate. Who was it that was more responsible, Bill Belichick or Tom Brady? Tom Brady's making a pretty good argument that maybe it was more him than it was Belichick. And that, uh, you know, the Belichick was really riding more the assistant coaches than everyone else. Um, we're running a little bit of time here. Uh, I got to let you guys go. We got Jim Zoki coming in from the Carolina Panthers radio network. Uh, Follow these guys on Twitter. Follow their shows. Believe in Chiefs. Believe in Saints. Cannon Fire podcast. Uh, Believe, once again, like I said, all 32 teams from the NFL have a podcast attached to them. Many of them doing two episodes a week. Just download the SiriusXM app and you'll get access to all of them, including Believe in Carolina Panthers with myself, Jonathan Stewart scholar Callahan. Callahan. Uh, guys, appreciate you guys being on the panel. Definitely have you back on throughout the season as we uh, kick off. Finally, a, a regular 2022 NFL uh, season for the first time in, what, three years? Like, I think 2019 was the last regular year we had. Uh, so I can't wait. I cannot wait for this all to get started. I appreciate you guys coming on.
4: Thanks for having me. And uh, go Deeks!
1: We'll be back in just a bit with Jim Zoki. You're listening to The Rundown on TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com And WWBG 1470 AM
0: You're listening to The Rundown With Desmond Johnson
1: Franchise
2: players Welcome back Sports Channel 8's Ben Swain I, it,
1: man. I love that you guys are doing what you're doing. I love that we're doing what we are doing because the local sports fan is really underserved in, uh, in, in sports radio here in, in North Carolina. Being able to Monday morning after the New Carolina game, being able to listen to local guys talk about the local game. Franchise players every Friday afternoon at 5 p.m. on TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com and at 6 p.m. on WCOG, 1320 a.m. and WTOB, 988.
0: Back to the Rundown with Desmond Johnson.
1: Welcome back into the Rundown here on WWBG, 1470 a.m. here in the stride. Online, TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com. Of course, you can catch us every Saturday morning live, 10 a.m. to 12 noon, getting you ready for your college football kickoffs this fall uh, and you can also watch it on Facebook, Watch, LinkedIn, Twitter at Tobacco Radio, and YouTube at the Tobacco Road Sports Radio YouTube channel. I want to thank everyone that's been joining us as we get back into our fall swing of things here, NFL season upon us here. The Carolina Panthers taking on the Cleveland Browns, 1 p.m. kickoff on CBS this Sunday. Joining me right now from the Car- the Carolina Panthers Radio Network, Jim Zoki, uh, his 28th season as Panthers Radio Network uh personality and Jim I'm not mistaken you've been there for every single season of the Panthers existence is that not correct
7: yeah Desmond, you make me feel really old but true uh yes (laughs) vintage every every game 28 years
1: (laughs) (laughs) um sports director over at WBT radio in Charlotte still doing uh morning stuff with WFNZ Jim Zoki if you're a Carolina Panther fan uh the name is well known throughout the Carolinas let's just dig in here I've been so excited Uh, this season. And it caught me off guard that I was actually excited for this season because the past two seasons, I've kind of gone into them with like a sense of, uh, I don't want to say like darkness, but like just not knowing what to expect from the team after you you basically clear the roster out, you bring in new guys. uh, The whole narrative had been that, you know, Matt Rule, wherever he goes, year three is the year of the turnaround typically. And we're in year three. So this team feels different than Coach Rule's first two years. Uh, Jim, what's the biggest difference you've seen this preseason?
7: I think, you know, kind of across the board, if you will, Desmond, they kind of had a long checklist of areas to improve. And I think you could almost go by position group and see improvement uh, basically everywhere, at least depth, if not front line. I mean, if you start at quarterback, I think Baker's an improvement over Sam Darnold. A healthy Christian McCaffrey is a huge upgrade over an unhealthy Christian McCaffrey. Yes. Uh, they, they've added depth behind the front receiver group of D.J. Moore and Robbie Anderson with the emergence of Shai Smith and hopefully a healthy Trey Marshall, Richard Higgins. Uh, the offensive line clearly with uh, Aquanu may take a little bit of time. I mean, it may not be day one, uh, but you got your left tackle there. And you add guys like Austin Corbett, Bradley Bozeman there. And then on defense, uh, again, you address the defensive line. You brought in a couple veteran linebackers. And uh, Xavier Woods into the secondary to go with the, uh, probably the strongest position group uh, on the team back there. And then special teams with Johnny Hecker. So I think, you know, that and the uh, the veteran additions on the coaching staff bringing in, you know, Ben McAdoo, Steve Wilkes coming back, uh, James Campen with the offensive line. That kind of in every category, you know, they're improved. Therefore, that should translate into more wins on the football field, you would think.
1: I I would think so, and I'm glad you touched on that. that, uh, A lot of the off-season acquisitions that general manager Scott Fitter went after have kind of gone under the radar that I felt were like excellent pickups for what the Panthers needed uh, to fill in holes. Um, And and the team itself, they seem closer uh, this year. There seems to be uh, kind of a – it wasn't there year one, especially – I mean, COVID, the, the guys could hardly be in the same room with each other. Coach Rule didn't really meet the team until July of that year. And then last year is really the first year where we started reacclimating ourselves back to normal uh, routines. This year's the first year, really, of Coach Rule's tenure in Carolina that's had a regular offseason, a regular draft, a regular training camp. And now we're going into uh, week one with capacity crowds and everything else. So it feels like the first normal year that he's had. Um, thoughts on Christian McCaffrey? You touched on him a bit, Jim. What have you seen from him that makes you optimistic on the season?
7: Well, first of all, just that uh, we talked about is, you know, there's no lingering issues with injuries over the past two years. He doesn't come into this season with anything that, uh, where he's going to be on a pitch count or anything like that. So I think that's huge with him. And yeah, he's talked about it during this off season, learning how to take care of his body and visiting with people like Marshall Falk, who played a long time in this league and trying to get that uh, uh, knowledge from a guy that played a long time in the NFL and how to maintain your body. And, how to you know be in the treatment room a lot? You know, not wait for injuries to happen and so forth. I think that's one thing with all the young players, like even Shai Smith and Terrace Marshall. That you know, the coaching staff and training staffs trying to get across them: don't wait till you're injured to get in the training room. Keep keep up with your body. Keep you know stretching whatever going on. Uh, obviously, something more detailed than that, but uh, uh, you know, those kind of things matter as far as you know, being able to get through the grind of a 17 game So We know Christian McCaffrey is one of the top two or three running backs in the league because of his all around abilities. Uh, but they don't help you when when he's not on the field, and when he's not out there, there's a huge drop off. I mean, uh, to Chuba Hubbard or in this case Deontay Foreman coming in this year, it's it's a big drop off. So it's very important that you know he be on the on the field as much as possible this year, and that's what makes the Panthers better, in my view, is when you got that's your superstar guy, that's your best player by far. You can talk about Baker Mayfield and all this and that. You know, McCaffrey. If you're gonna line up all the guys on the 53-man roster, he's the most important, most talented guy, and your best chance to win.
1: You know, you said top two or three running back in the league. I'd go a step further and say he's a top two or three overall player in the league when he's on the field. Uh He really the last full healthy year that CMC had was that year where he rushed for a thousand yards and, and caught for a thousand yards in the air. And Marshall Falk was the last to do that in the NFL. And I would I would say Marshall Falk is the closest thing I can think of to really compare to McCaffrey's skill set. So I'm really happy that he reached out to him. Uh, I noticed he didn't show up in training camp this year with the tree trunk thighs and the just rock, (laughs) like just chiseled type of uh, body. Looked like he dealt more with like flexibility and things of that sort this year. So a healthy Christian McCaffrey changes the outlook of the Panthers completely. I I, I completely understand the national media just kind of brushing off the Panthers. Oh, you know, five win team past two years, yada, yada, yada. But that kind of. Uh, skips over the fact that they haven't had their best player, but for 10 games uh, over the past two years. So if he's there, I think it's a huge difference. Uh, Jim Zoki joining us here from the Carolina Panthers Radio Network. Join, uh, follow him on Twitter, at Jim Zoki. Baker Mayfield, Jim, uh, the biggest story this offseason for these Carolina Panthers. How impressed have you been with him, not just picking up this playbook, which technically is his fourth brand-new playbook in the past four seasons for him, or, or the past five seasons for him, but leadership wise as well, because coming out of Cleveland, one of the narratives was that Baker was not being an adult and being childish and things of this sort. I haven't really seen anything of that of that stitch to to, to Baker since he's been here in Carolina. What have you seen working from the uh, the Panthers radio network in terms of uh, Baker Mayfield?
7: Yeah. And, I, you know, as far as the four years in Cleveland outside of Odell Beckham Jr. and Odell Beckham Sr., I don't think he was like a locker room issue. I think his teammates liked him. Up there, But then the narrative becomes bigger when someone that high profile leaves the team, obviously had success down the stretch run with the Rams and going to the Super Bowl last year. So why that chemistry didn't exist in Cleveland, I don't know. But beyond that, I'm from that area. So I kind of follow the Browns more closely than a lot of folks do down this way. I mean, he led them two years ago to 11 and five in a playoff win over Pittsburgh. And People loved him. And if you remember this time last year, I mean, they were a trendy Super Bowl pick heading right. into last season with Baker Mayfield. At quarterback so you know that you know he got injured early on with the non-throwing shoulder uh injury that he had and had to deal with that and the rehab that came with that this offseason it had to have affected him for the, the a lot of the what they did last year um but um i think what he brings here is you know sam first of all hasn't had great success in this league second of all he's not a big personality so that that position kind of you don't have to be the most outspoken guy but it, i think it helps uh, that you've got a guy that's got uh, kind of some some juice to him and uh, a little chip on his shoulder and an edge. I mean, you need a guy that says, come follow me. And I think Baker kind of gives off that vibe more and from what his teammates are all saying about him, including Robbie Anderson. Of course, the famous tweet a few months ago, like, no, about him coming here. You know, He was standing up there on Monday saying, I like the juice. I like the swag, all that stuff. So he's on board, and I think his teammates are here, too. And he's. Uh, I think he's a good fit because he comes in with something to prove. This whole team has something to prove. I think it's a, it's a make or break year possibly for a lot of folks in this organization. So it's, I think he's coming in with, you know, in a contract year essentially with a chance to show that he's still that guy that plays well every other year. And now it's every other year. I think he can step up, he's healthy and, and be able to lead this team.
1: Yeah. I mentioned it on the, the Believing Carolina Panthers podcast uh, a week or so ago with Jonathan Stewart and Skylar Callahan that I actually asked Stu. um, Baker Mayfield kind of reminds me of Jake DeLome a little bit in terms of like the, the, the spiciness, the fieriness, like he's, he seems like he's prone to get hot and complete 12 completions in a row, but he's also prone to try to stick a ball in a window that's not there, just like trying to, you know, push the envelope a bit. And that's a little bit of what I loved about Jake DeLome was the, the, the fearlessness of what he had on the field, like neither Baker or, uh, or DeLome, if you saw him on a practice field, they're not going to wow you with their their physical ability or anything. Like a like you can see Cam Newton across the field and like go, wow, like who is that? But you don't really get that with Baker or with Jake DeLome. But when it's game time, they're like the guys that the other 11 guys want to run through a wall for because of the way they lead and the way they kind of rally the troops. And I felt like we were missing that uh, the past two years with Teddy Bridgewater and then Sam Darnold. Their personalities just they weren't really... That So I feel like the spark of having Baker here, here plus adding a healthy CMC and revamping the O-line makes me very optimistic about this Panthers team. Uh, multiple position groups were revamped this offseason, Jim. Which group would you feel the best about, the secondary or the offensive line?
7: I think as far as uh, completeness and, and ready to win today, the, the secondary is the star of this team as a position. Group, I mean, it's really heading in, uh, not a weakness in it. Because when you add Xavier Woods as a safety, you now pair him with Jeremy Chin, and you got two guys that were over 100 tackles last year with two different teams. JC Hornley, like Christian McCaffrey, got injured in that third game against Houston. You know, JC Horn for the little bit that we saw, I mean, looked like he's got, we can't call him a shutdown corner, but the makings of a shutdown press corner with that, that success that he brings, and uh, with CJ Henderson in there, the ability to move. J.C. inside into the slot and uh, be a tackler in the box defensively against the run game Then Dante Jackson, of course, I think is uh, underrated. I think he really emerged as a tackling corner last year to go with his uh, coverage skills that he's always seemed to have here. So, I mean, that's five right there uh, that are mm-hmm. really good, and I think I like I like the depth behind it. I like Keith Taylor, I like Miles Hartsfield, Sean Chandler, Sam Franklin. So, position group-wise, I mean, that's, uh, that's, to me, one of the few positions where I feel like not only talented, but it's got some depth to it as well, which I look at some other position groups and go, okay, we're good, as long as everyone stays healthy for four months, which isn't going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, hope, you hope you you get lucky, but you don't control that. So, I mean, you see stuff like, you know, Matt Carraga has put stepped on all of a sudden the season's over, so stuff can happen in the blink of an eye. But I think that secondary group is talented and it's got some depth that it could navigate some some injuries during the course of the season.
1: Yeah, one of the pickups that Scott Federer did in this offseason I think has gone super under the radar was uh, picking up Xavier Woods, the safety. Uh, to kind of pair him with Jeremy Chin because now you can kind of run that. It's kind of a nickel package that, uh, that Phil Snow runs where you've basically got a two-linebacker uh, set out there, and then you've got, you know, three cornerbacks and and two safeties typically out there. One of them is running slot. And if you've got a C.J. Henderson, you've got a Dante Jackson, you've got a J.C. Horn, who's basically like receiving a, a, a second first-round pick this year, uh, put them back there with Woods and with Chin. Now you're cooking with grease because this this secondary uh, was rated pretty high past defense-wise last year, and now you've added these additions to it. I, I think the secondary might be the strongest position group in the entire team, um, and, and I think it'll be one of their strengths, which is good in a pass-happy league to have your secondary be uh, one of the strengths of your entire uh, ball club. Panthers versus Browns, 1 p.m. kickoff on CBS this Sunday. Uh, Jim zoki here with us from the Carolina Panthers Radio Network. Jim, give me your two biggest keys to a Panthers victory versus the Browns this Sunday.
7: Well, it looks like, and the weather people are often wrong, but uh, it, it's already starting here as we head into the early part of the weekend here on Saturday. It looks like it's going to be a rainy weekend. And yeah. what does Cleveland do? They they they, they, they smash you with the, the running backs. And they've got a huge offensive line in the veteran group. So, you know, you could talk about Jacoby Brissett all day long. But, you know, again, the stars of their team are, are Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. So that behind their offensive line, which is their best position group, is the running backs in the offensive line, you know, on a soggy day, that was an area the Panthers' defense struggled with last year. Was simple runs up the middle and so forth. So can they get stout in there with Derek Brown and uh, Matt Ioannidis and some of these guys? That is key one to me. If, if Cleveland can control the clock and, and get off on long drives, uh, run based uh, on a soggy day, you know, it's going to make Jacoby Brissett's job a whole lot easier back there for making his first start as a Cleveland Brown. So I think that's probably the number one thing I, I would begin with with that. And then the pick from the Panthers' side going against Cleveland's defense, obviously, is you've got two edge rushers. You know, Miles Garrett will be in Canton one day, the way he's going. Jadavian Clowney's got all that potential in the world when he stays healthy uh, to recap the on the other side. So you got those two crashing edge rushers there. So on alert, obviously, for Ikea Kwanu making his first start. In the NFL, we know Taylor Moten is solid on the other side, but, you know, the offensive line trying to contain uh, what could be a lot of disruptions. What We talk about Baker and the chip on his shoulder. I don't think there's animosity with these Browns players against him, but, you know, they want to show him competitive wise what they can do out there. So uh, I, I think they, they definitely want to touch Baker, get him down to the ground and, and, and get him off his mark and, and sack him as many times as they can. So that to me will be the other one that factors in huge.
1: Tune in this Sunday, Carolina Panthers Radio Network, 28th season as a Panthers Radio Network contributor, Jim Zoki, friend of the program and the station here with this uh, Panthers versus Browns as they kick off the 2022 NFL season. Jim, my friend, always a pleasure having you on and we'll definitely bring you back in uh, later on this season, hopefully to talk some good things uh, about the Carolina Panthers as they, uh, they embark on Matt Rule's third season as head coach.
7: Sounds good. Thank you,
1: Desmond coming up more from the rundown here on tobacco road Radio.com and WWBG 1470 AM.
0: You're listening to The Rundown with Desmond Johnson.